Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to a very special edition of the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. I am your host, Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Mother Nature, enough's a goddamn enough. Facts. Very, very much facts. And also joining us in studio, he is your coach. He is my coach. He is the coach. Coach Duffy. I mean, yeah, what more can you say? Weather, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Just how wild. I mean, what a wild two days. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In case anybody has not been following the ODPH on social media, we are located in a very big snow belt of upstate New York. Uh, whenever the snowstorms like to come through, I like to say they like to get comfy, kick up the old recliner, and sit here for about three goddamn days. Yes. So we have now been digging out of roughly, hmm. Uh, for us in the area, I saw from the National Weather Service, uh, our area got, and it varies by where you are in our area, but for the uh, Binghamton area, we got 10 inches. Yes. So a modest. So this modest one, 10. This one was a modest. This yeah. wasn't the 45 inches from. So, and it was spread out over two days, the y- 10 inches. So y- Yes. So, but heavy. Heavy at times. Heavy snow, heavy traffic, delays, everything you can imagine going on with a snowstorm. If you're accustomed to it, you know what it is. But if you're one of our international listeners or out on the West Coast and got to enjoy the nice weather, yeah, this, you del- suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. this, this delays us from recording. So what we're doing for this edition of the ODPH is, oh, we're talking sports. But we're also going to talk movies, TV, comics, and more because we're going to just do a throwback episode to the original days of the ODPH where we covered everything in that in one show. Oh, my God. I need to be prepared here. I know. And for Coach, this is a little fun fact. This is the first time in 320 episodes he has been a minute. In, in studio yeah. for the entertainment edition. So we're going to give you everything we got that is under the ODPH banner. So we want you to join in that conversation with us. Go to OchoDuroParleyHour.com. Join and follow on Facebook, on Twitter, and especially in the Twitter profile. I want to point this out. The follower increases for Pad and Coach have been amazing, so please keep them up. Definitely interact with them. They talk everything, and they will definitely holler back at you if you join and keep the conversation rolling there. Also, we want to talk to you on Instagram, on TikTok, which the videos are now blowing up. This is kind of a weird thing. I'm not used to this. Yeah, I got to get on that. I got to get the password, Ken. Yeah, we're going to make that up. happen. All Coach right. Coach is going to be going doing some TikTok in the very near future, so you want to be following. So you find out that and so much more at OchoDoroParleyHour.com. But you didn't come to this podcast to hear me shill. You came here to hear us talk movies, TV, comics, and so much more. But we got to kick off talking some sports yeah, because it has been a very big week in the NFL. Now, Super Bowl is this coming Sunday, sure, uh-huh. as we know. But there has been a very big move that is kind of – Started a domino effect, if you will, of what other teams are going to be doing in the offseason here. And the deals aren't even official yet because these these deals can't take place until the start of the new NFL year, which I believe is March 17th. Correct. So, Pad, why don't you break down what the big news is all about? So, this deal came down yeah, late last week, like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, something like that. I forget what day it was. 
where out of the blue, uh, the LA Rams uh, and the Detroit Lions decided to make a little bit of a trade and send Matthew Stafford uh, from Detroit out to uh, the West Coast uh, to play for the LA Rams. And in turn, they sent the young, I believe he's only 25 years old, uh, Jared Goff uh, from LA to go quarterback in Detroit. Along with a ton of draft picks. Yeah, everything short of the kitchen sink. Third this year, first the next two years in a row. Yes. So, Coach, why don't you break it down for us here? So my initial gut reaction was this is a lateral move for both teams, and then I kind of started to chew it a little bit more. I still don't think either team wins, but what the Rams do, which apparently they were desperate to do, is get out from underneath the Jared Goff contract that they gave him, Mm -hmm. which is the mind-boggling thing here because – He's a year removed from taking the team to the Super Bowl. Now, obviously, uh, Todd Gurley, you know, was a majority of that Super Bowl run with how well he was running the ball. Um, but you know, they still, you know, could rely on Goff to to you know make some scores. Uh, you know, it's not exactly that they have you know the most dynamic wide receivers. I mean, Robert Woods is serviceable, and Cooper Cup is good. You know, he's all right. I don't. I wouldn't say that they're upper echelon wide receivers, you know? Yeah. So, like, to think that this is on golf was the biggest question mark. Um, but then when you talk about giving up the – to have to give up those first-round picks, that's tough. I mean, I know a lot of people have gone back and forth on whether first-round picks mean anything or not, but it all just depends on where you are in the draft, I guess. I mean, yeah, is, is the 28th pick as valued as the 15th pick? Arguably, you could probably say so because it's a roll of the dice at that point. But I mean, if the Rams don't play well, you know, with Stafford, and they fall, you know, into the top three, top five picks, you know, those are pretty much game-changing players that you're going to be able to not select now. I mean, they got Aaron Donald in the first round. They got yeah. Jared Goff in the yeah. first round. Yeah. You know, so I mean, these are first-round talents that are there. Um, and for Detroit, you know, obviously now they can build with a new head coach. On uh, Dan Campbell around golf, uh, you know they obviously have Ken- Galladay that they got to get under contract again, and uh, you know start to rebuild the pieces after you know the Patricia debacle. And on the Rams side of things, let's see what you can do, Stanford. Let's see. Yeah, no, uh, Coach brought up the contract. Uh, Jared Goff is currently uh, just a few years into his four-year, one hundred and thirty-four. Uh, million dollar contract however should note uh there is a potential out in 2023 so if things don't if things don't don't end up working out yeah there's that option uh and on the flip side matthew stafford is entering the final two years of his five-year 135 million dollar contract and the thing stafford did say is that he's not talking extension doesn't want a new deal he wants to play out his last two years on his current contract and go from there this one surprised the hell out of me just because Things with Goff had been up and down. Obviously, there was the magical run to the Super Bowl a couple years ago that ended in defeat because, well, they got exposed. And then things have been kind of not down as much as with the Atlanta Falcons when they completely collapsed, you know, rose to prominence and then collapsed to the basement and further down. You know, it's been kind of up and down. But that, we, I mean, we've said it on the show. I've said it on the show. They're okay, but they just need a few more pieces. So this this move definitely surprised me. Because I figured, all right, Goff's your guy. You know, obviously you had the issue going on at the end of the season and even in the playoffs, but I figured Goff was your guy. So swapping him for Stafford just surprised the hell out of me. Instead of a breakdown, I'll give you my grades on this one. Who I think got an A? Deshaun Watson. Uh, facts. That yeah, I think... well, Deshaun, I mean, I don't know. Did he, though? Because 
Houston, I mean, Houston's got to trade him regardless. Right. But I think that him being the prized quarterback that is going to get moved, and I know that he hasn't been moved yet, and I know that he's not technically involved with this trade, but him seeing what the value was that Matthew Stafford at this stage in his career got. Well, your winner would be Houston then. But but I rephrase this yeah. because this would give him more of an incentive to get out. Houston, I will give an A- minus because we've seen them do some very bad deals right. for their well, trades. That's, yeah, that's the thing. So no, You're right. This is an absolute win for Watson because you look a couple of years ago when Mike Trout in Major League Baseball got that monster deal. I'm like, well, there's your benchmark for all your big mm-hmm. out- There's your benchmark for all your big outfielders going forward, and then you look at what Harper did like the next year. Yeah, so for him, seeing what teams were willing to go after Matthew Stafford, he's got to be sitting there as the bell of the ball, so to speak, and he is just going to be picking and choosing where he wants to go because now he's been basically the illusion we're getting from this is he's allowed to pick a shot and kind of decide where he wants to go. So what team is best suited for him? And then he's seeing, okay, what teams are willing to give up for Stafford? They got to be get, giving up more for me. Right, and you got to, and he's got to be loving it because I'm looking at uh, on Spotrack.com the list of free agent quarterbacks for 2021. Outside of Dak Prescott, because, well, let's face it, he's not going anywhere. It's just a matter of how much money he's going to sign for. Right. The, there are names in there. You know, Jacoby Brissett, Mitchell Trubisky, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Andy Dalton. Uh, there's Cam Newton, Joe Flacco, uh, Geno Smith, Mike Lennon. I mean, there are some names in there, but it's not any like, okay, you got a, you got a shot of going with insert team here. I'm trying to think of one off the top of my head. Uh, Jacksonville. Okay. You know, hypothetical. Let's just say Trevor Lawrence ain't coming out, and, and Jacksonville needs a quarterback. It's not like oh, you got you got a chance to land the Jacksonville job, but you're like their third choice. Mm-hmm. No, like you are the number one choice for any other team out there that needs a, a quarterback. Right. Well, I mean, the biggest thing that helped, you know, with this is that uh, Carolina called yeah. and offered nine in their first round next year. So, and that was to Stafford. Yeah, that's who they. So. I mean, for teams to be pursuing a quarterback is is good, but I mean, he you know he's just sitting back and watching. I mean, the the winner is if Houston can actually with a new GM do the right thing and and that's, have a king's ransom. Like if I you know if I'm Miami and sat, you know and Deshaun Watson says he's interested, and I know your love of Tua, yeah, you know if Miami is entertaining that, it's going to take three. The probably I think 18th that they have, mm-hmm. and probably a first round next year too. Just call up the Houston Rockets GM and be like, "What's your secret? Tell me your secrets." They're going to need to do something, but that's why I say I gave the A minus to Houston yeah. as the franchise because I got to see what this new GM is going to do. Oh, right. uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. I fully believe he's going to be smarter than the previous regime, but wait and see. It's a low bar. Well, well, <laughs> I'm just saying facts are facts. No, no, I, I, think, no, no. But I, honestly, the, if any player won out of this, now it's JJ Watt. Well, J.J. Watt is also in this conversation. I gave him the B-plus because you're now seeing the NFL is starting to do this slow transition to what the NBA does when players are calling their shots. And the one thing about this is we haven't gotten to that level yet. No. But this is a small step because Matthew Stafford and Detroit agreed to part ways after Stafford had been the franchise guy. He never asked out. Taking discounts. He took discounts to try getting a a winner built there, and it just wasn't going to happen. And he is a guy that I'm going to give the B-plus here, too, for L.A., that he is somebody that will put that franchise on his back. And if you want any kind of testament of what character this guy has, there's the highlight game against Cleveland that Stafford dislocated his shoulder. Oh, yeah. And went back in the game. They called a timeout, 
and he literally fought with the coaches to say, put me back in. I All I need to throw, I can do this for one play. And he led him to get the game-winning touchdown. Right. And then immediately ran off the field with a dislocated shoulder, but he left everything on the field. For L.A., whose identity has not really been established. No. This is a guy that can come in and really do something with an offensive line that will protect him. Mm-hmm. And he can make serviceable wide receivers good because see oh, what yeah. he's done with everybody in Detroit, well, not named Calvin Johnson. I mean, Galladay is a pretty good wide receiver. I don't. Again, I don't. This doesn't boil down to an inability for Jared Goff. To me, I still think he's a very good player. I mean, is he a first pick in the draft? Good. I mean, probably not. No. But like, I mean, is he? Uh, you know, a fifth top fifteen quarterback in the NFL? Like, I mean, I would have to say yes. And I mean, it. This isn't. You know, was the Super Bowl performance great? No, but I really think this falls on McAvoy. And, oh and, yeah. And his, you know, ego. And I mean, I, I don't. I want to disrespect the guy because I think he's a great head coach. But I mean, you. This guy led you to the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and then he just came in and gutted a performance with a broken th- thumb on his throwing hand. That he played pretty damn good with that broken thumb. I mean, that Seattle game wasn't you know a masterpiece. But he was a good quarterback. You know, he didn't lose the game for you. And, uh, you know, he didn't win it, but he definitely didn't lose it for you. And that's really, you know, from the quarterback position, what you kind of got to look for right now. You almost have to look at this move as it's just youthful bravado. No. Like, I don't, like, I'm I trying mean, to I look at it as collusion. Well, you can look at what I. As my favorite TV show character, Ruxin, would say from the league, yeah. this is collusion. You can look at it a couple different ways. No, but I'm for, just But kidding. for McAvee. This is just one of those puzzling moves that you're going to do because, like we all touched upon, Goff led you to a Super Bowl. Right. Yep. So the fact that you're so quick to hit the reset button. Yeah. I mean, this isn't even a reset, though. This is a, this is a swap. Well, well, it's it's a swap. Soft but, reset. It's a, yeah. it's a soft reset. Because, I mean, you're taking a on a 34-year-old quarterback now without – so think about it this way, right? All right. Stafford's here. He's got two years left on his deal. Okay, starting this year. So he's got one and then two. Mm-hmm. You just traded your first that first year mm-hmm. and then your first the next year, the year after he would quote unquote maybe retire. You're right. Now, what are you going to do? I mean, so now if you are, let's just say they tank yeah. and they have, you know, they're 0 and 16, and then all of a sudden Tyler Buckner out of Notre Dame, you know, is up for the draft. I'm just, he's not going to be yeah. the first pick of the draft. But I'm just saying, you know, uh, you know, let's just say somebody's there, you know, not Trevor Lawrence, I'll, you know, type capabilities but a good quarterback mm-hmm. and you would have the first pick in the draft well now that's in Detroit yeah it's it's a high risk high reward and I think it's just somebody really buying into putting all the chips on the center of the table oh, uh, to steal Jim Fossil yeah I mean however you want to define this it is just a puzzling move by McAvey and the organization because you literally went all in like next season if you don't get to the championship game let alone the super bowl 100% it's a bust yeah 100% and yeah. The, I, the thing to me is that's crazy is are they really a super bowl team with stafford cuz my initial gut reaction is no no but i, I think it at least gives them an identity of what the hell they're going to do on offense because you can look at most and like keyword most the teams in the nfl and know what play style they're going to go, whether it's they skew pass, they skew run, whether they're a little healthy mix of both. You know, I look at the Rams and I go, what the fuck are they going to do? Because yeah, right, this changes fig- nothing. You can't figure it out. Yeah, this yeah. changes nothing. No, There's does. no identity. Stafford does no different than what Goff does. 
The only, Literally. The only thing he does is bring a little more veteran leadership. Yeah, there. I mean, but, maybe a little more moxie in the pocket, but, but, like, come on. Is that really, like, the the push to, to a Super Bowl? Is a oh, little no, moxie? In, in my opinion, no. I mean, it's crazy to see how the odds jumped for them getting there now. That was just – that's all just – Oh. Vegas fluff. Though. Oh, I know, I know, but it's just absolutely crazy to think in that stacked division because let's face it, right. the NFC West is a very stacked division, and if San Francisco is healthy next year, they're a major force to be dealing with. Yeah, I mean, to me, the Rams are a couple secondary pieces, a linebacker, and, and, and a little bit of luck. Yeah, and and a running back away from because mm. I, I mean the running back by committee just does not work. It doesn't work. And yeah. I mean obviously Todd Gurley, it was a good move. You know, a tough move, but a good move to let him go. You know, you probably could have gotten this year out of him and then had to move on anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, they're running back away to me from really having a dynamic offense. Um, and really to me, a number one wide receiver because as I've pointed out. You gotta have a number one. Yeah, and, and they don't. Robert and they Woods don't. Just that no. Guy. no, he's not. Oh, yeah. He's not. He's he's a very good. If you put him on a team with a you know another guy, like if he was in Seattle with DK Metcalf, that would be a very good tandem. Mm-hmm. But he's not. He's with Cooper Cup. He's always been a number two. Yeah, it is what it he's is. Allen Robinson. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I know I I've seen him play for many years. It's sure, like that's that's who he is. And for LA, this isn't enough to move the needle. It's a good move in that sense. Oh, yeah. and like I said, for Stafford to get that shot. With a team that has in a better direction at this stage of his career, right? Right. Win. I mean, that's. I mean, yeah. if if anything of this, it's cool to see Stafford go to a team that has a winning culture around it, that is pursuing a championship versus a team that's, you know, kind of floundering and just hanging around just for dear life. Well, that's where the grade of B goes to Detroit because you get Goff, who's not really an upgrade compared to Stafford, but you get a king's ransom. Yeah. For for a night. I mean, this is not something that I don't think any other team would have really gone all in for to this level. Right. But they're going to make out like bandits. And with Campbell as the new coach, and then their new offensive coordinator is Anthony Lynn, mm-hmm. formerly from the L.A. Chargers. Yeah, now you don't have to worry about him making game time decisions. Right. <laughs> this is something he can just focus was, on that offense. Right. And really tear apart. I you like, don't have uh, to worry about timeouts or anything like that. Oh, yeah, you know? yeah, you'd be able to. Just... Still, I still have not forgotten that Bills game. It's just that mismanagement of clock was atrocious. Oh, yeah, that's something that will unfortunately haunt him for years to come. Uh, just follow him under the ever-growing list of coordinators who are great at coordinating, right. not so mm-hmm. good at the next step up. Yeah, and this is something that I think he can flourish. Goff can have a renaissance with. And they just gotta get some weapons around. Yeah, them. I mean they gotta they gotta, they gotta get Galladay back. I mean I know the Giants have had talks both two off seasons in a row pursuing mm-hmm. him, so it'll be interesting to see what plays out there. Um, I mean the Lions have good draft position, so I mean this is a wide receiver heavy draft, uh-huh. so so they can definitely make some moves quick. Yep, and they need to do something. They cannot falter on this draft. I think that they have arguably the most pressure on them. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it's arguable. It's I mean, a- I would probably put Miami with those two number ones and but, being the fact that they went 10-6 and six out of nowhere. Right. But for Miami, they'd have to nail their shot, but this will kind of lead to my next segue because with Deshaun Watson sitting out there and for the amount of teams that called about Stafford, right? Miami has the best shot to land him but are they willing to part with everything? Because that would be my next question is, with Deshaun Watson, where do we think he goes? Because he's the next big domino to fall. Honestly, I would love to see it go to Chicago. The serendipity mm-hmm. there, the 
the irony, you know, that he ends up in the uh, with the t- boy, you know, obviously Chicago famous for reaching at seven for Cherpinski and letting Mahomes and Watson falling, uh, you know, so it'd be kind of cool to see them land him. Uh, my best shot, though, yeah, it's Miami. I mean, yeah. they have the leverage, they have the draft capital, um, they have the need, you know, for a veteran quarterback. Um, I would like to quickly, you know, uh, address the Dan Orflosky, uh comment that he made on uh, uh, an ESPN I show. You were waiting to. Oh my God! You know, if you didn't watch it, you know, go ESPN. It's on there. First take, I think, or whatever that morning show is nowadays. Uh, get up. Um, and he, you know, says that the Giants should call, which is a complete rumor, mind you. Nobody in the Giants organization has made any feelers. It was a story written by a uh, media, you know, a blogger mm-hmm. who, you know, said that if I was the Giants, I'd call. So that's where this rumor started. Nowhere in the Giants organization have anybody put the inkling that they're interested in them. And Arflowski goes, if I was the Giants, I would call and I would say Saquon, I'd say Daniel Jones, and I'd say our first this year and next year. Okay, sure, right? Perfect. And then he ends the sentence with, and I would do whatever. That would be my offer. And I'd do whatever it is after that to keep him on the phone. And I was like, first off, if you trade Saquon, who else is there? <laughs> I mean, Evan Ingram clearly yeah. has shown not to be a number, uh, a great tight end. You Facts. know, yeah. uh, Sterling Shepard, as great, uh, as good as a wide receiver as he is, is not a number one. Golden Tate. So, like, my thing is, is like, does Deshaun Watson in New York without Saquon uh, and the weapons that are there currently really, you know, push the needle for the Giants? No, especially when you lose that number one pick that could ultimately be, you know, Devontae Smith, uh, you know. Uh, the other kid out of Alabama. I, I, there's so many wide receivers, I can't even get all their names right now. And the Sarlowski thing made me so mad. It's literally the dumbest. It was the dumbest first take thing I've ever seen. Like, to think that that would be a wise decision is just stupid. If anything, the Jets should be the team in New York that pursue them. Well, I'm just looking around at Spotrack.com. The Bears, in theory, could work. They only currently have one quarterback on their roster and spending, uh, that being Nick Foles, who, who is in the second year of his three-year, $24 million deal. Uh, there is a potential out in 2022 for him, but in terms of a cap hit, he's only a 66 you know, six million six hundred sixty-six thousand six hundred sixty-six. That's not a joke. Dollar cap hit. So, and the uh, Chicago Bears have approximately ten point five million dollars in cap space. Might be able to work. You might have to move some pieces and, and make some extra room. But you know, Chicago would work. But I, I, Christ, I don't know where the hell Deshaun's going to go. But something tells me it's going to end up being the Jets, just because they're a train wreck. It's going to be either the the Jets. Miami, or what I would do is I would send him to the NFC. Oh, well. And I would, if I'm Houston, I am calling around to the teams that were rumored to be involved for Stafford. I would call the San Francisco 49ers. I would call the Chicago Bears. I would call any of the teams in the NFC East just to put a feeler out. Well, Not, Washington's already shown that they would trade their entire draft to get a quarterback. Right, so... Yeah. so you just have to put those feelers out to see who you're going to get. Because it's not the Giants, because that's just dumb, right? But the Giants, hey, listen, either. I'm not that Deshaun. I, all right, I'm not saying Deshaun Watson isn't a good player, and yes, he is better than Daniel Jones. I'm just saying, like, if you really break down season this season, and you're like, all right, plug Deshaun Watson in this game. 
does he really win any more games than the Giants won? No, because maybe one. You maybe have no two. offensive line. That's right. why. Well, the Rams and the Chicago Bears game where Daniel Jones threw two really bad interceptions. Okay, so eight and eight. Yeah. Great. <laughs> but it's something like, but it's something that if I'm Houston, I put those feelers out. Because yeah. the thing what they can drive at the rear is smart about is you can get into a nice little bidding war of who's going to give me more. Well, sure. And if they're smart, they go, okay, Deshaun, you want out of Houston. Here's where we're willing to deal you. I know you have a no-trade clause. What works with you? Because we want to get something out of this. Well, the thing, too, is that if I'm Houston, I'm just trying to get the most draft capital I can get. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because now that you've traded out of the first round with that Tunsil trade, which was terrible, mm-hmm. and got nothing back in the uh, DeAndre Hopkins trade, you got to get some equity. Yeah, I agree. And that's why I think they would be smart to just see who they can get the most out of in the NFC and then flip it back to the Jets in Miami and say, okay, this is what we got offered. Can you top this? Like, yeah, I mean, I, I don't – because I don't know if Houston would go there with a first-round pick because they've had a lot of success mm-hmm. in the first round. Or Houston – I meant Washington. Washington's yeah. had a lot of success in the first round. I just I keep looking at Miami with three and eighteen, and I just keep saying to myself, "This thing makes sense." Oh, it makes perfect sense. I I will say this: as much as I can't stand Miami, it would be dumb for them not to land this deal. It would right. be it would be absolutely foolish because they have the equity to do it. Well, the only thing that would, I mean, the only way the Jets could top it is if like, and I'm being serious, like if Miami's willing to offer two first round picks, and then probably I mean, you're not going to get a third. Yeah. So if they give you two, and then maybe a later round draft pick on like a 2022 draft. All right, but if the Jets are willing to go one, two, and then one the following year, because that's what I would think it would take, Yeah, might take that. And I think that he wants to go to a bigger market. Well, yeah, yeah he's and already – he, he tweeted something the other day talking about, uh, you know, your, your friends around you are the net worth that you're worth – or you're worth in net or something yeah, like it, that. It was Some, like, entrepreneurial thing. So he's already thinking, and if, you know, outside-the-box type stuff. And if I'm if memory serves me right, I think Richard Sherman mentioned something to him as well. Or he put out something, like, I guess his opinion, if I, memory serves uh, me right. Oh, okay. Yeah, he, that, there, there you go. <laughs> but, he, but, he, but he mentioned something along the same lines. Like, he right. should go to New York because it's the bigger market for to – grow your brand and such something that I'm going sure to and i mean him there with you know daniel jones it's he's obviously going to get all the headlines he's going to be star 1a you know and it would be a it would be a smart move to do i know that the new head coach there has got a lot of buzz behind him a lot of people want to go play for him it's a lot yeah yeah so. and he's got a relationship already with Deshaun. i can't remember what that was exactly but i know that they have familiarity so, so that helps so i think that that's the play that houston should do because if you look at everybody that stafford got involved with like we said frisco was involved chicago was involved carolina indianapolis the list goes on and on right well, the Colts aren't Houston and Colts aren't making a trade, right? But <laughs> but yeah, I'm gonna say that it's not. But you just say what happened with Stafford. Right. This is where the domino starts. The Aaron Rodgers thing, I'm just ignoring because yeah, that's just that you can put that baby to bed. Yeah, he's not leaving. Yeah, and I don't care. They could be toxic as you can get. He will go purposely out there to play each and every week to give the middle finger to the front office. The o- the only way that trade happens is if the 49ers offer a dump truck worth of stuff. Yeah, so backup Garoppolo. Patriots offer uh, a pickup truck filled with all the thirty-two packs of beer he can he can want. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that that whole video amazing, but it's not going to be as amazing as whatever Deshaun Watson gets from this because this is the domino effect right now, and I keep reiterating that. But this is the benchmark you set. This is your pace car. Can you top this deal with Watson? No, I mean you see it in every sport: basketball, 
hockey, baseball, you know, where you get towards that off season and things are kind of slow, kind of quiet, but then you, there's that one domino that everyone's waiting on to fall. Cause once that, you know, it's been LeBron a couple of years in the NBA, you know, you look at this, you just look at it. It's a, that one domino needs to fall. You know, a couple of years ago it was Garrett Cole uh, for the major league baseball. That one domino falls and all of a sudden everybody else starts going. Exactly. I just think what's fun is the fact that, you know, because before the NFL, their trades were far and few between, and it was draft pick for draft pick, mm-hmm. you know. And then after the Kiki, Al- Kiki Alonso trade um, with Buffalo and Philly, right? Yep. Um, now you've seen this floodgate, an opportunity to open to trades. That's like it now makes the off season fun, where before it was kind of just Hold let's on. get yeah, let's just get the training camp, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think the teams are taking advantage of the week off. Between the Super Bowl and yeah. the championship game, yeah. Well, for the first, I mean, normally this is a dead week. Yeah. I mean, let's face it. Like the the Pro Bowl would be Sunday, and then it would just be in the oh, in the uh, the Senior Bowl was Saturday, mm. and then it was just you know business as usual, you know. But I mean, this year with obviously everything going on, it's a slower week. Oh, guys yeah. are on vacation, so a lot of you know oh, yeah. teams are working. Oh, I remember very vividly there was one Super Bowl the Patriots were in where Gronk was in a walking boot like the week and a half, two weeks leading up to it. That was the longest two weeks of my goddamn life because all you heard on every sports talk show is, is Gronk okay? Is Gronk, is Gronk going to play for two weeks? Yeah, but th- this week has usually just been like a big newsbreaker for whatever reason. It's been either retirements or... Oh yeah, it's, it's been semi-normal stuff, nothing yeah, crazy. But this is the one that has really kind of topped everything lately. And like I said, we've seen it more recently that you've seen announcements made. None to this gravity that really shook up the season and we haven't even finished this one. But this does give us a lot to talk about heading into the free agency and uh, business restart in March for the NFL, but definitely hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. Gave a lot of NFL to talk about. We didn't even get into the Super Bowl. But what is your take on the Stafford and Goff trade? What is your take for Deshaun Watson? Where does he wind up after all this? We want to know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Do you love movies? I certainly do. Hi, Chris Roberts here, inviting you to listen to I Saw It on Linden Street our weekly podcast dedicated to the joy of finding an appreciation in cult films, exploitation oddities, beloved classics, and all points in between. Join us for an informative deep dive into a film that we feel needs to be recognized, with background thrown in on actors, directors, and hey, if I'm doing my job right, you'll get a funny story out of me. So join us here at I Saw It on Linden Street and listen today. Remember folks, life's too short not to live in the past. Take it easy. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour podcast, and it's time to talk WandaVision. Yeah. Now, we have been covering this each and every week, but we have Coach Duffy in studio to talk about it. Now, Coach Duffy is a very big MCU DC Comics fan. Sure. So Fun. He wants to definitely join in on this conversation. So we are going to be talking spoilers about episode four, quote, we interrupt the, this program, end quote. So if you have not seen the episode for whatever reason, pause this podcast right now, watch it, and then jump back in because we definitely are going to be talking spoilers about this episode in three, two, one. Pad. What did you think? Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed the episode. Uh, saw this booted up Disney Plus uh, when I went to watch it on Friday. Saw the episode title and went, huh, this, this sounds interesting. And immediately I went, oh, this is going to be real interesting. Coach, what well, you got? Well, let me give a little like time lapse here of what happened in my life during this episode. 
Uh, Aaron and I, you know, my wife here, uh, we had a little dinner. You know, we put the kids down, enjoyed a little uh, sushi uh, dinner, and uh, we're watching the show. And I'm eating, you know, roll after roll, and I'm watching, and I'm watching, I'm taking it all in. And then all of a sudden, you know, uh, Jimi Hendrix started playing. And I'm like, oh, they changed up the uh, intro song for the episode. No, that was the ending, guys. And I had no idea that that, that I was so in tune to this show and watching every second of it. I'm, I watched everything. I saw everything. But time stood still. That's how good this episode was to me. Like, I literally was in a, a time warp, you know? Like, I couldn't even process it. The show ends. I turn to Aaron. I'm like, is this the fucking end of the show? Is that it? Then it just started. That was not... How long was this? I pause it. 28 minutes. Oh, my God. What? I, I was so into it. It was amazing. What an episode. Yeah, this episode definitely picked up the pace a lot. We knew that coming into this, we've been going through the decades with Amanda Maximoff and her version of reality that we've now entered into present day by going backwards. And what I mean by that is we have Monica Rambeau, who was a secret agent, so to speak, in this Wanda world mm-hmm. that was exposed because she leaked out that she knew about Ultron and what happened to Wanda's brother Pietro. She was forced out of the reality that Wanda has created. Uh, she broke the fourth wall. She definitely yeah, did. Yeah, that was fun. Literally, count the walls. She breaks four of them. Yeah, so Tiana Paris, who plays Monica, definitely got the backstory of what is going on since we last saw her in Captain Marvel yep. up to speed. That now that we see, as the episode opens up, that she is returning from Avengers Endgame. Oh, that was blip. That was nuts. That was that. I, that threw me for a minute because I couldn't figure out. I didn't pick up because I don't think we ever saw anybody actually in the films come back from the blip. No, no. it was all just oh hey they're there. Well, Spider Man. But that was it. But, but Spider Man. But like that was all there coming through the portal. They're already back. We never have actually saw anybody in the process. Yeah. of coming back. So at first time, like the hell is going on here? Like when is this? Yeah. Aaron turned to me and goes, "Oh, so she has powers, and she's been real like." Don't fucking spoil things for me, Sean, or I'm not, you know, you're done. So I've been trying my best to, like, keep things at a mute. So I haven't told her who Monica Rambeau is or what she could potentially become. So shush. Yeah. Say nothing, guys. So when she was like, oh, she has powers, I was like, <laughs> yeah, she does. That's crazy. Not. And then as it started to play out, I was like, oh, no, she just came back from the blip. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, Hoo! and then all the chaos and the and the guy came back right as she runs into him, and I was like, "This is this is amazing." Yeah, it was a brilliant scene because it's just a calamity of what is going on with everybody returning well, from the blip. Yeah, because I mean, outside of the Spider-Man thing, and then uh, you know, the a couple people came back uh, in Endgame. You didn't really see the chaos. Outside of that world. Yeah. Can you just imagine like another hospital somewhere? Somebody got blipped away when they were in the middle of like open heart surgery. Yeah. I mean. And they come back and like, oh, hey, surprise. You need to do open heart surgery on this person. It was such a wild scene to see play out. It's just a scenario of like, this is how everybody else came back. So not everybody came walking through portals like, hey, everything's fine. And I know that in Spider-Man Far From Home, everybody's kind of just downplaying and saying, oh, it's just called the blip. And Yeah. that That was a decent amount of time afterwards. Yeah. Because this has been a few years. And then Monica comes back, and she's in the hospital, and she's, like, trying to find her mother, Maria, and she finds out that Maria has passed away since she has been gone. So yeah. during this whole time elapsed... The five years, yeah, yeah. That things have definitely changed. So 
Monica is dealing with this, and then we find out that she's going back to work for Sword, not Shield. Yes. Now, if anybody's not familiar with Sword, in a nutshell, it is in the comics the uh, space version of Shield. They deal with a lot of the extraterrestrial events. They don't really deal with supernatural, so that's going to be something that kind of plays into effect as we're talking about this episode. So as Monica returns to work, she goes to see who is the acting director, a character by the name of Tyler Hayward. Hayward acting director, because she says uh, di- director uh, Hayward. And he goes, he corrects her, he goes, acting director. Yeah. Very interesting character. It's a key, hmm. key word choice there. Hmm. I hmm. thought it was a very key choice, too. And I think that that might tie into Secret Invasion when that comes down later. Mm, could be. That, mm. That's my early ODPH guess. But... Director Hayward sends Monica to help out a familiar friend yep. who's working for the FBI to find a missing person. Persons. Yes. Yes. And who is this character, Pat? Uh, this is one FBI agent, Jimmy Woo, who you might remember from uh, Ant-Man 2. Yes, Randall Park resumes the role as Jimmy Woo. He's learned sh- uh, he's learned close hand, uh, Mark, what is it called? Magic. Magic. Yes. Yeah, yeah. When he, dr- when he drew the, the card out to introduce himself, I was like... Good for you. You know, yeah, cool. What a cool throwback to Ant Man. So, as we see that they're pairing up to find out the missing persons case in Westview, New Jersey. However, after dealing with the local law enforcement, Eastview police. Yes. Yes. Were from Eastview and they said there's no such thing as Westview. Which is confusing as all fuck because uh, both Jimmy and Monica both look behind them. There's a sign, which I'm sure if you and your towns across the country here in the United States all have, welcome to insert town with like Lions Club signs, Rotary Club logos, and the whole nine. And they're like, the hell you mean Westview doesn't exist? There's a sign right behind you. Yes. So during this time, Monica is kind of sensing that there is a force field around Feels it. it. Yes. Yeah. Which I think will tie into her origin of her powers as we She's know her. She's a Jedi. Confirmed. Through. Yes. As we know. <laughs> well, yeah, that would be a mind-blowing event to happen. Right? Crossover. The, the crossover happens. But we see that she is getting the sense of energy, which ties into her photon slash Captain Marvel background from the comics, and she gets sucked into the world. Yep. So during this... Well, hold, hold on. we got to talk about the... The drone. Oh, she flies right. the oh, drone. True. So if you saw episode two, two. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wanda finds an airplane that was in color. Mind you, the first thing that has been in color, and she picks it up to see, you know, a 70s looking or 60s probably looking uh, helicopter um, that was colored and had the SOAR logo, which we now know was flown in by Monica to try and get a bird's eye view of what's going on with the town. Mm-hmm. And it got sucked in and then changed. Yes. I forgot about that part. Thank you for yes. bringing that back up. Because that does tie into when we see it in, in episode two, albeit though the colors are red and yellow. So yep. when I first saw that, I, f- I figured that kind of tied into an Iron Man reference. I thought, oh, I, okay. thought it was, I thought it was like an Easter egg for Thanos' copter. See, everybody thinks that. Like it was just a fun, uh, like at the time I thought it was just a fun little, oh, hey, here's a fun little Easter egg. But oh, the, I thought, I to me, I thought it was something had, came, you know, was... Uh, Dropped in there because I mean, obviously we saw the the uh, uh, beekeeper, mm-hmm. you know, the episode before. Right, so I thought right. in the same logo. So I was like, "All right, how are these two playing into each other?" So when I saw the payoff, I was like, "Now this makes off, yes, makes sense." Because right after Monica gets absorbed into the world, shall we say, which is being described as a hexagonal. Yes, very key. Field, yep, which a lot of hexagons. A lot of people are mentioning yep. a lot of different theories with that hexagon. So, Coach, since we got you here, what is your take on that? 
I mean, I honestly, I have, I have no idea. I, I'm very, I, it's because uh, his uh, office, the director, mm-hmm. uh, his plaques were in a hexagonal shape. Uh, the perimeter that they've set up is in a hexagonal shape. And what Wanda has set up was all in a hexagonal shape. And then there was one other um, hexagon reference uh, by one of the sub characters. So, yeah, I, I'm, I have no idea what this is going to lead to, but it's something. Pad, you got a take? Uh, I'm not sure about that, but the only one I th- I know is I think they just kind of backdoored a reason to explain Kamala Khan's powers because I, at one point in the episode they said that the field was giving off a lot of radiation in the area, which hmm, could be a key for uh, when they go to do the Ms. Marvel so well storyline. Well played Easter egg, Pat. Oh. I didn't even catch that. Or also She-Hulk, who's also in the city. Could be. That could be. I mean, her powers, though, from the comics come from a blood transfusion from Bruce Banner. So, sure. But so, but they could spin, spin it in that way, too. Yeah. It's not out of the realm of thought. Great theories, guys. I mean, for me, the hexagon, I know everybody's trying to say they're trying to tie it into the Infinity Stones, and they're trying to tie it into Mephisto. I don't know yet. I don't know. Yeah. I, I've really changed on my whole uh, Mephisto thing. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know if he, like, I, I mean, I feel like he's going to, but, I like, at the same time, I don't know if that's what this is going to lead to because, um, you know, obviously as the episode played on, they started giving the characters uh, – characters of the show so like i'm real fourth wall here the characters of the characters they started giving their names to who they actually were outside of wanda's world right and agnes was the only one who they didn't have a driver's license for agnes and i think and i forget the character's name and i'll have to look it up the blonde from the socialite party yeah dotty yeah. dotty no, no i actually i think they did get dotty in there but i'm but i can't remember what we'll to search about that one but this is all coming from the detective work of one darcy lewis hello welcome back returning to the mcu's uh kat dennings who absolutely crushed it in this Killed episode it. she was fantastic yes because she is sitting there and she figures out the broadcast signals are the only way they can peek into the world and see what's going on and she's literally saying we're watching a sitcom here yeah so she breaks down everything that's going on in fact she's the one that figures out to try sending a radio frequency to wanda yep to see so she is teaming up with agent Wu, and i'm just which gets edited out in wanda's world yes so we're seeing what they're trying to do on their side as we also see a sword agent try to sneak in underground yep and what happens he goes through the a hexagon and he turns into a beekeeper yep. so we have one and with a jump rope yes because he was tied to a string and when the string gets pulled out it turned into like a 70s jump rope yes, yes. So we do get the explanation of who the beekeeper is. So I know a lot of people were running a little crazy. Oh, they were going nuts. Yeah, which. But we don't know what happened to him. We don't know yet. No, and I, I just got to back up a second. I love Darcy's reappearance in the, in the MCU because it's been a hot minute since Kat Dennings has played the role. But her first scene back was incredible. Yeah. She's right in the back of that van. What what do you do? What you know? She starts asking questions, and, and the you know the agent of sorter whoever goes, you're not supposed to ask questions. Don't talk. She goes, yeah, screw you. What do you do? She asks everybody in the truck and goes, what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? And they all answer. She goes, great. They have no idea what's going on. Yeah. Which is like the start of like every 80s and 90s movie. Ever. I, I see. Yeah. I seriously, she was so good in the Thor movies that it really, you know, obviously with whatever you want to say about, you know, Natalie Portman's role in all those movies, you know, that's your opinion. But, you know, Kat really brought a comic relief that was much needed. You know, and that that mushy, you know, love story that they had, which was fantastic. So to see her be outside of that Thor world and actually get, you know, moments to shine instead of just being comic relief, I thought was great. 
Yeah, this the, her performance in this episode along with uh, Agent Jimmy Woos. Yeah. Are now sparking some Agents of Shield or Agents of Sword talk for D- Disney Plus. It's rumor. I mean, well, obviously, there's a lot of fan base that are pushing for this. Listen, thing. I mean, Agents. Had, just think about if Agents of Shield would have actually had continuity with the show. Yeah. How easily this could have spun oh, into yeah. Sword. Oh yeah. You know. Well, especially with how the show ended in space. Mm-hmm. Hello. Well, I still <laughs> think whatever Disney Plus is and Marvel are going to come out with for more programming. I'm not doubt, doubting we see the agents come back in some form, but yeah. I'm also saying with the buzz that is coming from this episode, that these two might be additions to the team. Yeah. And I would love to see that. But as we start digging into more and more about what's going on, they're learning about how Darcy broke down that everybody in there, the cast of characters, are basically residents of this town. Right. Yep. And they start going through the backgrounds, except Agnes, they don't have a background for. Nope. And then Dottie. Dottie, I, I looked, they didn't They didn't give her anything. Yeah, so those are the two wild cards in the scenario. And Agnes's husband, who yes. we still haven't seen yet, so. I don't think he even exists. Well, well I think he does exist, but it's just going to be a wild take. Like, I think that's when it's going to be the who yeah. moment of the show. Because as there's getting more and more contact in, they start seeing about what happened to Monica when she got shot out from the world. And then everything starts fading away a little bit. Yep. And we see when the Jimi Hendrix music comes on. And it just hit me. Yeah. That <laughs> Wanda. Well, Wanda has one moment that happens before this that is a very, very big noteworthy moment. And when she sees the vision come into the oh, room. Oh, that was yo, nuts. Yo. Yeah. And Intense scene. I mean, you know, obviously after she makes Monica disappear. Uh, she turns around, you know, vision, this is the, so this is the same scene playing out, uh, with vision walking in saying where, you know, where's whatever, uh, and, oh, she had to go. And then she turns and pans and sees vision and, you know, vision's dead. Yes. He's, a, he's a, basically a zombie. He's a zombie with the, uh, the soul stone missing from his head. Yep. Yeah. So this is his body right at the end of infinity war. Yep. Yep. Which was such a wild freaking scene. Uh, any thoughts on where, vision really is now or is that i mean that's him that's That's him that's him because we we know from what paul bettany said in an interview between last week's episode and this week's episode and the week prior that there was an end credit like was like an end of the film end credits scene filmed where uh, this is for endgame where wanda went to get vision's body so that footage exists that was shot so I think it's just a case of she went off the proverbial deep end dealing with her grief and, oh, my God. Because she, oh, I'm dead. Oh, they undid everything that Thanos did. Oh, he should come back. Oh, he didn't come back. Yeah. So she goes to Westview for reasons we don't know yet mm-hmm. and, and created this alternate universe to live her life with him. Yeah, I, I fully agree about that, that I think that he is the dead body that's brought back to life. Yeah. That I think that she reincarnated him in some manner because once she sees him as the decaying state, she goes and does the rewind and brings him back, and then you see the illusion is back on, that he's back to normal. Yeah, I I mean, it obviously all plays into the world that she's created that yeah. he can live again. So I obviously, you know, what happens if he breaks those walls, you know, I don't, who knows, you know? Yeah. Well, that's where we're going to kind of find out, because oh. as, this, as the show ends, you see her sitting on the couch with Jimi Hendrix blaring in the background, yep. and everybody is realizing... Wait, Wanda's causing all this. Wanda's uh-huh. doing this, and, yeah. they, and they come to the conclusion that Wanda has to be stopped. 
Otherwise, reality is just going to tear through everything. Well, and I thought that was what was so interesting about this because then obviously everybody just started running wild with it. And, you know, obviously we know she's going to play a huge factor in the Spider-Man and Doctor Strange movie. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I finally saw the theory that not it's not going to be, you know, Doctor Strange having to deal with something else while having to deal with her. That it's going to be him having to deal with her, you yeah. know, like yeah. in big, bold oh, yeah. capital letters as if like Wanda Maximoff is your bad guy and Doctor Strange. And that was the first time that I was like, wow, shit's really going off the rails right now. Yeah. This is something they tie into a lot from the comics. Like I say, for yeah. everybody that's thinking this is House of M, they're borrowing elements from it. Yeah. But this is not House Listen, of M. Listen, I mean, to follow House of M, you know, would have been so difficult without mutants in it already. Yes. You know, to try and, and swerve that into um, something else, you know, that to force it. You know, that's not that's not the MCU. Yeah. Like, let's just face it. They, I, they don't force things. I think they're obviously borrowing elements from it. Hello, they've cited the, the comic as much as much in the end credits. Mm-hmm. I think it could lead to a, you know, future stories and movies with elements of house of M. Sure. I think that they can borrow elements from the house of, you know, that book and, and graphic novel, and they can kind of use now that to lead towards things. I mean, for example, you know, something else that, uh, he points out the director of sword points out that there's also, uh, astronauts missing. Yes. Right. So could that be a fantastic, so, fantastic four? four? Uh, the writer has since come out and said that wasn't the intention. Well, which is what they said, but it wouldn't be the first time they've retconned something. Hello, the little boy in Iron Man Two it was now retconned as Peter Parker. Yeah. Right. So yeah, they I mean, could. It very easily could be swerved back to it. You know. Well, I think that with this show, they want to get as many people talking about it as they can because when this first was announced, everybody really had kind of some skeptical ideas of what it was going to be. It has really been a fantastic slow burn. Oh yeah, sure. I, I the people that have been complaining on you know, especially that follow us on Twitter that I've seen a lot of you know a couple people that are like oh you know one and two were you know and Aaron the same was like yeah you know what am I watching a black and white TV show for like blah 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 it's like got like this like it's building yeah. just let oh, yeah. it oh yeah let it resonate because the payoff. Let alone the fact that this is going to have a cause and effect for Spider-Man and Doctor Strange. Mm. The payoff for this show alone is going to be just... And I and I get people's frustrations with it because for... A, and I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus, but for a decent number of Marvel fans, and I'm not talking comics, I'm talking the, the films and TV shows, for a lot of people, they're used to the, all right, when you go to sit down and watch a new story from Marvel... You get the start, middle, and end right there in one setting. Be mm. it be it the films, be it the Netflix shows, or even Agents of Shield when it was getting put on Netflix shortly after the season ended. Yeah, they're not used to like you can. You, I know you and I are maybe Sean a little bit too. Where with Agents of Shield, Legion, you know, Christ, people think WandaVision's weird. Go watch Legion. Yeah, Legion will make your head Le- split. Legion, Legion is leaps and bounds weirder than this show. You know, but we're used to some of these Marvel shows where we don't get that immediate payoff. That it's not the Netflix binge method. So I get why people are, are frustrated because they're used to seeing how this plays out. What does this mean? Who is this tied into? You're used to that instant gratification, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. But trust me, when the payoff for this comes, it's going to be so good. Oh, absolutely. That I think that people just really need to kind of pause and just accept it for what it is because this is something that is so different than we've seen in recent years from the MCU. 
we got to savor this. You're getting the first bit batch of new directly tied into the Marvel movie content in like a year and a half, two years. Well, yeah. and that's your bitching. It's a TV show. Yeah. Like that's the other thing. Like I went into this, and when I I watched it, you know, yes, all right, the the payoff is going to be huge because what it's going to mean for the direction of the movies. But when I went into this, I watched it as if it's a TV show. So, like, I know that the episodes are only going to be 30 minutes. You know, do I look for an end credit scene? All right, maybe, guys, I do. Like, the credits say that they're six minutes long. So, do I fast forward just to see? I'm guilty. You know, like, the MCU. Oh, I'm sitting through the credits. Yeah, like, the MCU's. It, it taught me to do that. Yeah, so we're, like, we're conditioned to do yeah, that. Yeah, so now like I do it, which is dumb because I after episode four I should realize there's nothing there. But here we are. But it's it's a show. Like it's 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 got to build its way up. I mean, uh, that's what's great. And you know, I, a long time ago I read. You know, somebody talked about the um, a 13 episode or a shorter season versus a 21 episode season sure. and what it means for a TV show because when you have a limited number of episodes every episode counts yeah, mm-hmm. oh yeah. versus something like you know Arrow you know we all yeah. watch that 21 episodes 24 episodes a season there's episodes where it's like you can burn a few yeah why the hell did I watch episode 13 that oh yeah. was pointless oh yeah. Yeah. but you know in a 10 episode season it's like uh, or, or you know even a 13 like there could be a one or two episode throw off but in a 10 episode season everything oh, yeah. matters so everything you are seeing every word every uh easter egg every oh, yeah. uh uh every action by a character all those shits count the doctor in episode 3 saying that we can't leave you know we were going to go on vacation but can't leave that shit matters so yeah. like oh, yeah. that's why it's like all right, I know you're not getting Thanos fighting Iron Man and, you know, Iron Man getting stabbed in the chest and having to heal himself. I know you're not getting that. But what you're getting in the psychological thriller is payoff, you know, is enough alone to satisfy me at least. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, no, to, to bounce off Coach's point with the episodes, he's absolutely right because the one I can think of was, I forget what season it was. It was like six, seven, or eight or something like that of Walking Dead where it was like, oh, next week, because I remember watching Talking Dead the week before. I'm like, oh, hey, next week's episode is going to be like an hour and 20 minutes or an hour and 30 minutes or something crazy. I'm like, oh, shit. Uh, extra long episode? Shit's about to go down. And it was nothing but Morgan in the entire episode. And yeah, I, yeah. And I went, the fuck did I just watch that for? It's the less is more approach. Yeah. And Marvel is definitely taking these short stories and really making every episode count. That for anybody that's read the comics, we know what we're kind of expecting with Scarlet Witch and Vision. There are certain stories that really resonate well, but if you look with the exception of one maybe, none have really gone past six issues. Right. Right. I know the Vision and Scarlet Witch limited series back in the 80s, and I'm... Uh, the vision the one Tom King did. Yeah. You know, like I think they've got they've had a little more extended runs. I'm blanking on the number right now. But my point is with this is they don't really have necessarily long runs. So they're gonna tell more condensed stories. And the payoff is gonna be you have everything locked and loaded early, and then it's going to be that big of a payoff when we get to the end because there's only, as of right now, scheduled nine episodes of one. Well, Correct. allegedly they filmed ten. Right. So it depends if they want to pull that card yeah. and just surprise everybody and say, hey, we have a bonus episode, whatever that's going to mean. But for what we're getting now, it's every episode is counting. Uh-huh. They can't drag anything out for an extended period. No, I mean, for you guys, for I mean, we're going to talk wrestling here in the next segment. And like for you guys that watch wrestling, it's like, you know, back in the 80s and the 90s when it was four pay per views. 
you know, all those pay-per-views, the stories that they told, you know, the mega powers imploding and all that stuff, that was all long, 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 long builds. I mean, the mega powers was almost a nine month story that was told, um, you know, and now we're used to, you know, payoff matches being once a month, you know, three weeks of story and then boom, pay-per-view match. See you later. You both, you go on different directions, you know? Mm. Um, so this is kind of something that's different because, it, you know, this, condensed of a, of a season and what it's leading to has to make it you know it has to land mm-hmm. you know because of the implications that it leads to you know versus like uh because this is going to be a one-off let's face yeah. it like they're not getting it's not going to be season two so like it's not like dexter where you can build up a, a, a long story and and have to have things mapped out this literally has to by episode oh, yeah. nine this has to land. You can't have a bad finale like Arrow did a few times, like Walking Dead has had a few times, and, and be like, oh, that's all right. They can come back from it and, and just improve on it next season. Like, no, there is no coming back from this improving on it. This is a one and done. Yeah, this is definitely not going to go longer. Like I said, they haven't had that longevity in comics. Like I said, what threw me off is what Vision and Scarlet Witch was four issues, and yeah. then they extended it to 12. And then the Tom King run's been 12 issues. So, like I said, that was kind of throwing me off a little bit. But my point is with that is, no, they have to hit all their shots this time around. Right. They, they're they not going to have that room for error to grow. And if we see them come back, it's going to be as a different incarnation. Yeah, there's no, there's no growing pains. There's no, like, season adjustment. Like, it's like... Shit's gotta go. Yeah, so it's it's something a little crazy with that to see, but for what the show has delivered, it's been on point. And I know that there's a rumor. I want to close and get your guys' opinion on. Okay, there is a rumor that there is going to be a guest star on Wandavision that yeah. is supposed to be along the levels of Luke Skywalker on The Mandalorian. Yeah. Any guesses? Well, I'm. I'll throw. So, Aaron, uh, if you end up listening, I'm gonna throw you out there because. Uh, she had heard the Steve Rogers news, you know, of uh, him coming back. So, and I was like, honey, come on. It's going to be, he's going to be on the, the other show, you know, mm-hmm. like he's going to be on Winter Soldier show. But, you know, the more that you chew on it and think about the relationship that they had, this is definitely, and given the timing of his signing or coming back, I guess I should say, I, I, maybe. You know, I, 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 it would be pretty cool, you know, to see Captain Rogers or Captain America show up. He had a relationship with Wanda. Wanda trusted him. Wanda listened to him, um, and, and obviously respected him. So maybe if there's anybody who can try to get through to her, it'd be him. Pad, uh, bucket list, long shot. You know, if things get real weird and things get, <laughs> things get real get real weird, well, things you, get, you, you could do a locks and leap style. Well, yeah, this this is my leap. Uh, if let's just say things get real weird, things get real dire, and it's you know the world just ain't going the way she wants. Ultron, okay, uh, Jam, get James Spader there. My lock, I think, is going to be Quicksilver's. Yeah, both of them. Because let's let's remember this uh, show is going to directly into quote. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, close quote, which means we're going to get the multiverse involved, which means we're going to get more than one incarnation uh, of characters involved. Hello, the, the current thing going around with Andrew Garfield uh, and where he's been spotted, uh, thanks to a DoorDash driver. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, well, let's, Snitches. Yeah. Let's just say it's uh, in a certain city called Atlanta, Georgia. And if you know what's being filmed there right now, you can put two and two together. Yeah. Wait, Spider-Man's not filmed in New York City? <laughs> Shockingly. <laughs> uh, but seeing Damn those taxes. We're getting the multiverse involved and, and we're getting multiple characters involved. I think she's going to let, let just like, oh, I brought Vision back. Let me try and bring my brother back. Oh, Whoop, whoops, I brought back both the one from the MCU and the one from the Fox films. For me, I'll do this Lax and Leap style. So the easy lock, but I don't think this would rock the internet that badly, is Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye. Okay. Because of their history. Yeah. Sure. That I think Quicksilver has already been confirmed. Like, I think that that one's already been leaked that he's going to come back for an well, episode. Well, I was going to say, I did hear that uh, he was cited on on uh, set. Yeah. The only other thing I can think of is maybe Sam Jackson. If if swords involved and we've already had the mention of acting director, but see for me when they alluded to this is going to be such big news like Luke Skywalker coming back to Mandalorian, it's got to be somebody huge, like really big. So my guess and my unofficial leap, what if we get Robert Downey Jr. How the fuck would they pull that? Uh, multiverse. Multiverse. She's already brought one guy back from the dead. Uh, maybe. Yeah, like I said, it wouldn't be a long-term cameo, yeah, but he appears for a quick hot second. I think that we could see that happen. I think it's a stretch to think that we'd see Hugh Jackman yeah. or Michael Fassbender because of the characters they yeah, play yeah. and the connection. I think it's a stretch, and I don't think they could swing it because I think when this was filmed, they didn't have the rights to said characters. No, I don't think so. So I think if you really want to talk about the biggest name in the MCU... Uh, they did no they had the rights okay no they had no they had the rights then then it's all it's all possible so like i say but my unofficial guess we're gonna see some version of robert downey jr as tony stark in this before it's or like an up. or like an alternate timeline tony stark where he's a real dick yeah i mean the possibilities are endless but gentlemen final thoughts on this episode and series starting with coach uh i i'm just i so I texted you guys because I thought I saw a teaser trailer that was not a teaser trailer but did have scenes that I haven't seen yet. So shit's about to get really real in episode five, mm-hmm. uh, and I am all for it. So this has been great. No, yeah, the buildup's been great. You know, we're starting to give some payoffs. I like the little, you know, pause. It's almost like, oh, hey, I'm watching this show. i got to take a bathroom break type of deal. I really liked it, and I like peeling away some of those layers on the onion, uh, so to speak, and I can't wait to see where we go from here. The show has been fantastic, P- point blank. They've really brought so many different elements from some various comics throughout the years, and they're just putting such a unique twist. Like, I have to go back and read my trade paperback of The Vision by Tom King just to pick up some stuff that I think I see is happening and it's not. And the one person I'm waiting to see, and I haven't seen his name in the credits, but I haven't been searching, is John Byrne. Mm. If he's in there, I think I have an idea how this is all going to shape out, and it's going to end tragically bad, but so good. I cannot wait for this series to get compiled together and watch it in one binge watch, but each week I'm getting more blown away by this and just how Elizabeth Olsen is just portraying this crazy, you know, damaged person and yet making it look absolutely flawless on screen. Paul Bettany is absolutely balancing her out as the vision and almost as the conscience of like what you're doing is wrong, but how, but where he is going to start elevating his character is going to be nothing short of brilliant. Can't wait to see the next episode, but that's been our take on WandaVision Episode 4, but why don't you hit us up on hashtag ODPH and interact with us and let us know what you thought of this past week's episode. Definitely want to hear your theories about where this show is going, so we're going to take a quick break. You know where to find us at ochodoroparleyhour.com. We'll be right back. 
Welcome to the Wednesday Pull List, your friendly neighborhood geek podcast hosted by two old friends. My name is Lex. And I'm Simon. Come check us out for all your comic book reviews, collectible news, and all your geeky nerd news that you're looking for throughout your week. Dropping new episodes every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Check us out on all our social media at Wednesday Pull. Back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. And time to talk some wrestling. 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 This past Sunday was the WWE's Royal Rumble. Now, if you're not familiar with what happens here, each year, the winner of the Royal Rumble gets to have a title shot at WrestleMania, the biggest pay-per-view of the WWE and pro wrestling, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And is they basically write their own way into the main events. Now, obviously, this year's WrestleMania is going to be a little different. Two separate nights like they did yep. last year. So we did have our men's and women's Royal Rumble. So each of those winners are going to decide who they're going to face by the time that card rolls out. But yep. we got to recap what the card was. So, Pad, why don't you lead us off? So, yeah, the one match that took place on the kickoff show was for the Women's uh, Tag Team Championships with Oscar and Charlotte defending their belts against Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. Uh, and you had Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler win to become your and new uh, Women's Tag Team Champions. Coach, your thoughts on this match? <laughs> I was... Desperately waiting for this match to be over with. It was cringeworthy. Yeah, this match wasn't good. Uh, I said on last week's show, I figured Charlotte and Asuka would retain because, you know, it seems like they're going to keep it stat quo until you come Mania time. But obviously they decided to go in a different direction. So we'll see where it goes. I mean, I'm happy to have a women's tag team belt in WWE. It's been long overdue. But they need to goddamn do something with it because just playing hot potato between the same few teams is not appealing to me. This match was not good. No. To say the least. It started okay, but... It had potential, but then it quickly lost air out of that balloon. It definitely did. I mean, the whole Asuka-Charlotte pairing is only a temp thing. We all knew that. It's eventually going to lead to Charlotte fighting Asuka at some point for the belt because that's what Charlotte does. Well, I just for me, the Lacey Evans flair thing, I just... That whole thing. It's just... Nasty. Yeah, it's just creepy. It's just unnecessary. We already know that Lacey Evans has a husband who's been around. Like, it's just awkward and uncomfortable. Yeah, we already we already know Ric Flair's uh, legend. You know his legendary status. We don't really need to rehash yeah, they, that. Like, it's the, just ugh. the fact they're rehashing the Tory Wilson Don Marie storyline. Yeah, and making it involve Ric Flair. I mean, they're just really trying to force this story. On the television, it's just not working. You can do it, but it doesn't have to be so goddamn creepy. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's cringeworthy. Just, like, it, like, it's fine. It's one thing if, like, oh, Rick really sees something in Lacey, kind of like he maybe might have seen it with Randy Orton. Oh, I want to train Lacey because I think, you know, she's the next great thing, and Charlotte takes exception to that, and da-da-da-da. Like, you don't need all of the soap opera drama. Uh, the innuendo and all that yeah. stuff. Oh, my God, And, yeah. and the other thing is, too, is that, you know, the – the veteran rub does, hasn't worked. Yeah. You know, no, like think no. about all the times that Flair's been paired with ex wrestler mm-hmm. or uh, you know veteran wrestler comes in to you know tutor this guy. It doesn't work like it used to. You know, like when Lou Fett or uh, when uh, what's his face did it with Shawn Michaels. Jose Lothario. Or Jose Lothario did it. It was different because Jose was known as being a wrestler instructor who taught Shawn Michaels. So like Shawn bringing in his coach. Uh, to you know, reteach him the bait, like all that stuff, like that worked. Just pa- pairing Ric Flair with the Miz, just so he can teach him the figure four. 
Yeah, you know, they just kind of forced Ric Flair into the storyline. Like, I understand they they really want to try getting Lacey Evans over, and mm-hmm. it's not to say she doesn't have the potential too, but I think that this is not the route to go. And I think that maybe if she was paired up with somebody else, I and granted, I'm not saying the whole thing with uh, Peyton Royce because that was just awkward, right? But they got to do something else with her. I know this is going to eventually lead off to a payoff match with Charlotte, where I think Charlotte is going to just. No, nah, it's going to end up being a triple threat yeah. with Lacey, Charlotte, and Asuka. Possibly. I mean, I can see that definitely happening. But for this match, I mean, she was the big X Factor that distracted yep. Charlotte. And Next. Nia Jax gave one of the worst leg drops I've ever seen in history. So, and new, and let's hope we go somewhere else for that. Yeah. Next up. Uh, yeah, you had uh, Drew McIntyre defend his belt against Goldberg for the WWE Championship <sighs> with Drew retaining in 2 minutes and 32 seconds. Coach. And I should note, this match was longer than his match against Brock at Survivor Series. The intros this took 12 minutes. Also, no, dumb. Yeah. It's just, I knew I it was going to be bad. Goldberg came out looking like Brock, which was also just bad. I mean, the shorts and the big giant MMA gloves. Yeah. Just... No, like, uh, there's already a guy looking like that, you know? I mean, you got killed before for stealing Stole Cold's look, mm. and now here you are stealing Brock's look. Yeah. Stop stealing shit. Yeah. Be original. Not not a good match. Uh, it looked, at least to me, at one point that Goldberg hurt his leg. Yeah. Because he was limping and it didn't look like he was selling. Also, he I realize he's got the contract where he's contractually obligated two matches a year for, I forget, a couple more. Not, not a huge amount of time, but it's a couple more years. You might want to rethink how you do that with him because he went to jackhammer Drew, and it's a good thing his arm held up the way it did because if it had gave out, it would have been terrible because uh, Goldberg's arm was shaking at one point. It was not a good match. We talk about Father Time on here a lot for different athletes. Father Time has caught up to Goldberg. I'm Dude, sorry. It's not even it's not even that. He wasn't talented to begin with. Right. And now it's even worse because age limitations. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like it's really showing now. Right. Uh, that before if there's well, any question, it's it's showing. And the fact that he blew his leg out because in my opinion he did it during his entrance. Right. It's a time that you really have to reevaluate what you're doing there. Now, if he wants to be like a special guest referee or enforcer, sure. I can see that. Fine. But you can't put him in these matches again where he's not really you know and part. fucking age rue is so athletic mm-hmm. and such a just genuine good wrestler like when i saw him in orlando at the evolve show and he was in the 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 ring with you know the ricochets and uh the dude who does all the other flips from england will osprey will osprey you know and he's in there holding his own you know as the big guy but being athletic and stuff i was like dude this guy has it so why waste him on this shit yeah, I, think I they, just don't I, get it. I just think they don't know what to do with that title on Raw. Where you, yeah, I have no idea. I I saw a graphic. I don't know if WWE made it, WWE on Fox made it, or some fan made it. But I saw a graphic where it's all of the people Drew has defeated in his both times he's held the belt. He has run through like every main event star on the Raw roster. Oh yeah. He what he needs to be paired with is a chicken shit heel that can just be athletic with him in the ring a la a seth rollins i was just gonna say seth but needs to be paired with a heater like aj styles has right now Mm -hmm. even though aj you know is still athletic and can wrestle and everything i just think seth's youth oh yeah you know would play a factor in this like obviously if mustafa ali 
and Retribution like actually took off and did everything that it could. Think about that. Yeah. You know, like a a faction that was strong that could dominate in the ring. Uh, had Dominic Dijak there as as the heater mm-hmm. um, to to you know even up the playing field for uh, Ali's undersize. Yeah, that would be a fantastic run of matches. But Retribution's not over and. Goldberg's here, so well, here we are. The scary thing is I think they're trying now, but it's almost too little it's too late. Too late. Yeah. It's yeah, too late. It's too late with them. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think they should just you know, completely blow that faction up. Keep Ali with Dijak. Yeah. And then just go from there. Yeah, just... And I think that would work. Seriously, a chicken shit heel for Drew to have to be like, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get my hands on you. And every time, you know, he keeps eluding him. He keeps eluding him. And, he, you know, and, and almost with the, what they're doing with Sheamus, yeah. where he's like, you want this? Come get it. Like, it's here. That type thing with the chicken shit heel would be it would land so well. Oh, I, a couple of years ago when when now John Moxley then Dean Ambrose was going against Seth. I mean, how many times and how many pay per views did we watch where I thought, holy shit, Dean beat Seth to win the belt? When nope, shenanigans and, and other nonsense happened and Seth retained the belt. Yeah, yeah, I mean Seth plays that up so well that it's tough. And I'm, I'm, for, I don't even want to go into that run because he should have been the game. Oh 2.0. yeah, yeah, that, that was a miss opportunity. Uh, facts. I mean, completely but, facts okay. off the bottom. <laughs> But this one, I mean, this is just another win for Drew. Now they're setting up for him and Sheamus. Finally, that's going to get taken care of. Right. Yeah, and it's yeah. just another boring yeah. feud on Raw. I mean, yeah. Drew deserves a lot better, and they got to get him a better opponent. Like, yeah. I like, I don't know. The, Gold, the Goldberg thing worked when it initially happened because, to that point, you had never seen anybody like that. Yeah. You had never seen anybody as dominant as he was. It could pull off the strength that he could and everything. But that's not the case when you've already seen it. Wrestling now isn't what wrestling was then. It worked. Yeah. It worked then. It doesn't work now. Completely. So fuck them. Yes. So. I. I mean, I Goldberg was never over to me as a kid. Never gonna be over to me now. Move on. Exactly. Go There's, take yeah. your protein shit somewhere else. There is nothing else to really write home about this match except nope. hopefully Drew has a great opponent at WrestleMania. Well, that's all we can hope. Doubt yeah. it. Uh, next up was uh, for the uh, SmackDown Women's Championship, where Sasha Banks uh, defeated Carmella via submission. Coach, your thoughts? So this ended weird. Yeah, it was it was a very good uh, beginning, middle. I really liked the stuff. So I I don't watch a ton of SmackDown, so I didn't catch. I haven't caught a lot of it. Um, so I didn't know what was going on with Reginald, but I really liked the Carmella when Reginald got kicked out, and she's like. He, she hit him. Yeah, you know, and she's screaming it in the ring. So I thought that was really. I mean, I thought that was like really good growth for Carmella's character. Because I mean, before when I was watching, you know, it wasn't much. Um, and then all of a sudden, like you know, the match is getting uh, to a, a point of conclusion. And I don't know if the the Sasha's finishing uh, submission is just a weird looking submission, and it just doesn't fit for me. But it just it's awkward. And all of a sudden, just the match wrapped up, and I was like, "Well, all right." I think something has to go into it. But I want to get Pat's take first before I jump in. It was an okay match. I was definitely expecting expecting a lot more out of it, but I'm again not sure what I was expecting more out of it. Just it just felt like it was building to somewhere, and then it just kind of went. Eh. See, I think the turning point in this match is when Carmella did the suicide dive through the ropes, yo, and she crashed and burned and scorpioned. Oh, holy, oh. holy shit! Yeah, I, dude. I when she, uh, I so I was watching with a lot of my friends, and they were like, "How did she not get like mat burn on her face?" Oh, well, she biffed it. Well, you saw how many times she touched her nose. I said on the live stream on Twitch.tv/slash Six Podcast, I'm like. 
she broke her orbital or did something yeah. because she started getting swelling. Yeah. Big time. And they were deliberately not keeping the camera on her face for very long. Exactly. So I think what they did is they realized something was wrong. And in fact, there's Some, somebody ringside might have said something in their, well, in their headpiece. Sasha knew something. She did something very subtle to check uh, on her during that. Okay. So I think she knew something was up. Because obviously when you scorpion, what I mean by this is when your body is going forward like Superman, but your legs curl up where they can right. touch your back, right. it's like a scorpion's tail. Carmella did this and she hit hard. So I think she either had a concussion or she was a little dazed, however you want to define it. And for how Sasha does her finisher, because she does it does like a roll to get it set up, I think that she knew something was wrong. Carmella was out of it because she kept touching her face like she thought something was broke. And I think they just want to get done with the match. I will say Carmella's gimmick I'm not a fan of because we've seen it before. It's Emelina 2.0. Pretty much. Sure. But she just does, done better. <laughs> yeah. But she but she does very yeah, well without a delight. With, with Sasha. But I think that goes to show Sasha's greatness because she's pulling these matches out of people that oh, yeah. typically don't have these Well, I mean, credit where credit's due. I mean, obviously, Sasha's one of the best wrestlers in the business currently. Oh, facts, yeah. Um, male or female. Mm. So... Uh, and her willingness to go there, you know, in any given match is something that should be credited, you know, especially once post-career wraps up, you know? Yeah, hit or miss. Like, that's what she leaves every time. So, yeah. so when she's hitting, it's phenomenal. When she misses, it's not a good look. But she's hitting a lot right now, and I thought for what she did with Carmella, especially after that uh, scorpion dive, I think they they did as much as they could. Yeah, so yeah. I mean that's right. It. I mean, yeah, I, I know that played a factor. It just I don't know. It just the the ending felt very well when she does that roll into it. It's, yeah, it's yeah. always a weird so setup. Weird. It's, yeah. a, it's it a weird setup, but I think she doesn't want to just put a hold on. Yeah, no, yeah. she doesn't. She wants to put her own flair to something, which I yeah. respect. It just yeah. looks weird. Yeah, gotcha. Uh, next up was uh, the 30 Women uh, Royal Rumble match uh, and some of the notable returns and appearances we had. Uh, Alicia Fox uh, made a return. Uh, you also had the likes of Dakota Kai, Ember Moon uh, showing up from NXT, Jillian Hall making a return. Uh, also had the likes of Mickey James finally coming back after the long hiatus. Uh, you had Naomi Maker, Naomi uh, on the show as well. Rhea Ripley showing up from NXT, although odds are she's probably main roster by now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Santana Garrett uh, was on there as well. Shotzi Blackheart from NXT. Tony Storm. Tori Wilson coming back. Victoria. Uh, and I'll get to the winner winner of this in a minute. But in the middle of this was probably the highlight of this match for me. In the middle of the damn. Uh, women's Ro- 30 women Royal Rumble match you had R-Truth come out and I'm like oh my god is he doing this again because he's done this before where he comes out for one thing and thinks it's another uh, came out in the middle of the match and oh shit wait he's trying to get escape from all the other superstars uh, to defend his 24-7 title when in the middle of the match Alicia Fox realizes what's going on pins R-Truth become your and new uh, 24-7 champion so got defended in the middle but in uh, once she got eliminated, our truth got that back. Yeah. Uh, but to close out the 30 women's Royal Rumble match, uh, you had Bianca Belair win uh, to be uh, to win the women's Royal Rumble match. Yeah, we called it. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it, definitely the vibe in the room was Bianca Belair, especially after the Otis thing and the documentary coming out was the hottest name. Uh, I really liked the final four uh, and who was in that. I mean, Natalie, you know, kind of whatever. You just and announcing her at 30 I thought was a mistake because yeah. Yeah. I you just know she's not going to win. So you just you threw the 30th spot right out of the rumble by that point. Um and and everything, but I really liked, you know, Rhea Ripley 
uh, Charlotte and Bianca being the you know final three essentially. Uh, I thought that was good storytelling because it paid back to the NXT day with uh, Charlotte when she had that brief run there. Yeah. Uh, you know, Naomi and her return is whatever. Um, the spot that they had with the hair thing, you know, where... Oh, yeah. That was different. That was cool. Yeah, was cool. I mean, uh, first off, Uncle Dave, fuck yourself because you didn't even tell the story correctly. You swerved it to make it seem like it wasn't what it was. Mm-hmm. Or that uh, was Uncle Brian, but you're wrong. Um, yeah. <laughs> Tell the story correctly. You know, they weren't going to save each other. It was they were both fighting their way to try and not get eliminated while they were both put over the top rope. And they GHD'd themselves, gluten ham raised themselves up, which is hell of impressive if you yeah. don't know what that movement is because your hamstrings ain't very strong. So right. for them to be able to hoist themselves up that way, especially after wrestling a match, uh, hell of impressive. And shout out to Bianca Belair. I think this is going to be a great run. I think that this sets her up now for a hell of of a match with Sasha Banks at WrestleMania. Yeah, give it to me. My God. Uh-huh. My God. Oh, I, yeah, this, this was great. I was blown away by this rumble. Oh, I thought that this and was... And Billy Kay yeah. was great. Holy that, shit. That, her, was, that was awesome. Her comedy set, stuff in the middle and then the re, uh, reuniting with Peyton Royce in the middle of it, that was great. Oh, my God. She, uh, Shotzi comes out riding her tank and, she, <laughs> and, and, and Billy goes to give her her resume and Shotzi just doesn't even give her the time of day, fires off a cannon. Billy Kay is a treasure. That I think the WWE needs to push more yeah. than they're doing. Her comedic timing is absolutely insane, dude. You, I mean, she can wrestle. Yeah, first she, off, she and foremost, like I don't want disrespect, but her as somebody's manager or something would be fantastic. Well, and it's funny, somebody uh, on Reddit the day of had posted a you know a, a video calling back to I can't remember if it was last year's or the year before where. Uh, Billy and Peyton had been eliminated, and I forget which few, uh, backstage reporter it was was going to interview him. Oh, oh, did you get eliminated? And they both come back. They're like, "Did we get eliminated? We're back here, and the match isn't over yet." What do you think happened? Yeah, she is absolutely on point with her comedic timing. And I will say, I read this online too that when she teamed up with Jillian Hall, somebody was saying, "Oh, you know they're going to form PB and J." Peyton, Billy, and Jillian. <laughs> oh my god! I'm like, I don't think we're ready for it. I am oh ready for god. a reuniting of the Iconics, though. Yeah, the, yeah. Like, I'm sorry, that just needs to happen. It's just when you talk about that opening tag title match mm-hmm. with the girls, and then you see the iconics and just the moment, and everybody, you know, on the internet was hyped for their reunion. It's like, hello, yeah. you know, who's paying attention because we want them back. Yeah, that's the thing that I think WWE wanted to try seeing how they did as singles and. I, I don't think it's gone the way that they wanted it to, it, but they haven't put any real steam behind it But that's it the crazy thing is they can still look at the New Day. Yeah. Each oh, of yeah. them have had oh, yeah. single runs outside of Xavier Woods that have all resonated with fans while they've still been together. Mm-hmm. So it's not like the president isn't set that you can still have both of them get a singles push and be together. Yeah. I, I think, I, this is becoming an iconic segment, but, you know, we have a passion yeah, well, for the we, Iconics. We do. We love the Iconics here. And we love Bianca Belair because she definitely had a great story with this. Sure. And even the lead-in match on Friday night where she beat Bailey clean. Yep. yep. I mean, she's been on a roll. And to see her and Rhea Ripley at the end, great back and forth. I will say, though, when they got rid of Charlotte... There must have been some inside joke because everybody uh-huh. was laughing yeah. ridiculously. Yeah. yeah. Which I applaud because just at that point, it's we knew what was going to happen. And it was going to come down between those two. Either or would have been good to win. Well, but. the inside joke was probably like, <laughs> "Look, we actually, you know, got one over." Her. Yeah, you know. And even Charlotte kind of was like, "Okay, yeah, I, I got, I got you guys." 
But this is where Bianca just really stole the show. And obviously, when she gets her title shot, and I'm hoping against Sasha, that's going to be a five-star match. Yeah. I don't care what anybody says. Bianca is that damn good and just getting started in this business. Yep. So very happy with that. Next up. Uh, yeah, so they cut, after that, they cut back to the, the uh, kickoff show panel, and they were talking some things where uh, Peter Rosenberg decided to seize a little moment of opportunity, distract R-Truth, uh, roll up R-Truth, and pin him to become your and new 24-7 uh, champion. However, uh, and I got up, uh, up here in the Northeast, uh, did appreciate uh, R-Truth screaming into the camera, Michael K, I'm coming for you. Uh, that was funny. Uh, Peter Rosenberg has since lost the 24-7 title. You can find the video on Twitter. Uh, R-Truth invaded uh, Peter Rosenberg's uh, hotel room as he, as he was in the middle of doing the Michael K show for ESPN New York. Uh, so R-Truth has that back. Uh, but after that, you had uh, Rowan Reigns taking on Kevin Owens for the Universal Championship in a last man standing match. And surprise, surprise, shocking absolutely no one. Uh, Roman Reigns defeated Kevin Owens uh, to retain his Universal uh, Championship. And I got to say one thing about this match. God damn. Coach, your yeah. thoughts. Wow. I mean, this – so the only thing that just – it killed me was the uh, handcuffs at the end. Yeah. That sucked. Yeah. Because it took so long to get Roman uncuffed. And I feel so bad for them because prior to that moment, these two were telling a fantastic just – grinded out story for uh-huh. the, you know especially for a match where you know it's any falls count anywhere you know i was and it was funny because i was listening to bischoff on 84 weeks uh the day before talking about how difficult that is for you know guys to do because it's basically just a brawl and brawling and wrestling can really suck because it's just forearms and elbow shots um these two were just set they were going all out there was, you know, bumps on the, you know, climbing up the, the TV screens, um, you know, throwing off the stages, swantons off of a of a forklift, mm-hmm. uh, getting ran over by a, a golf, golf cart. cart. Even better than they did on AEW. Sure. Because you know why? Uh-huh. They broke the glass. Right. Yeah, that yes. sold the whole thing. So, like, I mean, everything was just fantastic. No interference, no Usos, no nothing. Just these two going back and forth. For how long was the match? Twenty. This match, according to ProFightDB.com, this match was twenty-four minutes and fifty-five. Twenty-four seconds. minutes of just straight action, basically twenty. And then, boom, we get to the finish. Roman's handcuffed to the thing. Kevin Owens thinks he has it. Win, not so fast. You know, gets knocked down. Paul Heyman has the key. Yep. Mm. And he can't get to the handcuffs. Yeah. And the ref stopped the count. And Well, the, I mean, the, the, so that was what I was going to So Roman knocks the first referee out, which was awesome. Yeah. I was like, oh, what a, what a heel move and to then, knock and, him out. And then WWE on Fox started retweeting all of the ref, other referees on Twitter. And one of them went, oh, thank God I'm off this week. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, the other one comes in and starts the count. And Roman's still down. He was on a knee, which, the I mean, the rule is you have to get to your feet and answer the, the 10 count, and then just stops counting. Yeah. And then yeah. finally, you know, Paul's able to get the handcuff off, and Roman ends up winning the match. Um, but, I mean, what a – I've just – I really wish the handcuff. Th- I I almost was just hoping that they would have just broke the goddamn thing. See, yeah. that, see, that's what I thought they were going to do because to me, up until that point, much like coach, this to me had match of the year candidate written all over it because it was just, you knew this was going to be hard hitting. Kevin Owen can take these bumps. Look at his his uh, highlights with WWE and even some on the indie scene. Mm-hmm. Hello, some of the matches in PWG. 
you know, he's got that that repertoire in him where he can do those matches, and Roman can go to can do those as well. So I knew this was going to be hard hitting. I knew this was going to be make me hurt just sitting there watching it. And it was from the you know Owens jumping off the forklift, you know, to everything backstage. I was just like, God damn, this is a great match. And then they and then he pulls out the handcuffs and he handcuffs Roman to the bottom of the light set. And I went, what a fucking brilliant idea. I thought like, oh, these are going to be gimmicked. So that he can just, you know, rip him off and go, holy shit, look at how strong he is. You know, that didn't even stop him. And then they didn't. And it was essentially taking a car going 65 miles an hour and it hit a wall. Yeah. Because that just killed all of the momentum in the match and it and it hurt the match ultimately in the end for me. I fully agree. I think that they were on pace for doing, I know we just started 2021, but a match of a year candidate. They absolutely were brutalizing the hell out of each other. Well, in whose eyes? Because it wasn't in the Tokyo Dome, and it didn't feature Kenny Omega or Okada. So, sorry, guys. Yeah. Match of the year, really? Really? Hmm. Yeah, but this told a great story that I think Kevin Owens really stepped up to the occasion like we knew he would. Well, what was great was, I mean, obviously, again, we all picked Roman to win. We all, you know, Kevin didn't think Kevin had a chance, and this match... Suspended my disbelief, and yeah. for moments I thought, "Holy fuck, yeah. Kevin's gonna do it." He was actually gonna do it. I think just if it wasn't for that one spot with the handcuffs, they fuck would, that fuck that this would have been oh, just that complete. Sucked. It literally. I mean, so I was watching it with friends on uh, on Zoom, and we all all of our reactions was just. Yeah. It just sucked yeah. the life out yeah. of oh, us. Yeah. We yeah. were all invested. Did the same thing on the live stream. Yeah. Yeah. So for that being said, Roman retains Kevin Owens still in great shape for whatever they want to do with him. Going Kevin to walks team. away still looking good, yeah. I think, personally. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. He, he lost no credit, no steam with this one. So, I mean, fantastic job, yeah. except for handcuffs. Yeah. But now we get to the main event. Yeah, so that was the 30-man Royal Rumble match. Uh, and then some of the folks you had returned included Carlito showing up out of the blue. Well, looking right, like a million yeah, bucks. Yeah, looking like... He has not missed a day at the gym. I Holy got, I got shit. to admit, I had that one spoiled for me while I was at the gym earlier that day. I read a thing online that said he'd been spotted uh, outside of the Tropicana Field. So I was like, oh, okay, he's probably showing up. Uh, you had Christian return, which, holy good goddamn. Yeah. Didn't see that one coming. Uh, you also had the likes of Kane showing up with his mask. All, awesome thing I did read is he has donated the money f- for his appearance to a local college, I want to say. Awesome. Oh, cool. I forget w- where it is specifically, but it, I think it's a, it's a college in the area he is mayor of. Uh, he's donated his appearance money to said college. So that was awesome. Uh, you also had the likes of, uh, I'm rolling down the list here, Seth Rollins uh, made his triumphant return. Uh, and then the Oh, her- shit. We didn't even talk about Becky's tweet, though. And real quick, while we're talking about Seth, uh, Becky had tweeted earlier oh, yeah. the uh, backstage curtain, the exact yeah. one yeah. that was at the Tropicana Stadium because obviously we saw it during the Roman yep. uh, mm. Kevin Owens match, which made a lot of people think that it was Becky. Yeah. I was like, no, it's going to be Seth. Yeah. But it was just so funny because it was literally that curtain. Okay. Well, no, yeah, because she tweeted the curtain, the WWE on Fox account, quoted it, and goes, what could this mean? She goes, oh, sorry, guys, I just really like curtains. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. But see, it's, uh, and then the Hurricane uh, showed up again, which that was a surprise. Uh, but that none of them won. Uh, Edge won, uh, went wire to wire, No, which got to jump in for a minute. Didn't they say he was going to be number two? 
Or or have I got that backwards? No, they did say he was going to be number one. Uh, okay. yeah. I, I knew, but, they, but they announced one and two at the same no, time. No, I, so I, I thought I read that Randy was going to be number one and Edge was going to be number two. So I was like, wait a minute. But, okay, that makes sense. But no, Edge won to uh, be your to win the 30-man Royal Rumble. And we should note uh, he is uh, appearing on tonight's NXT uh, to team up with Damian Priest to take on Finn Balor and Kyle O'Reilly. Now that is going to be fun, but I'll get into that just a little later. Coach, your thoughts? Um, so... I, I thought it was a great rumble. Um, I wasn't really particularly thrilled about the final four. Um, I thought Big E should have made it. You know, I mean, obviously we were all hoping Big E was going to win. Uh, gets eliminated, I think, like with six left to go. Something mm-hmm. like Some, that, Somewhere yeah. in that range. Um, and, you know, it was cool to see. Uh, the My uh, shining moment in this was Christian. I that thought was he was. Awesome. I thought he was done. I thought his career was over with. You know, obviously, you don't want to see. Uh, you know, if wrestlers go, I want to see them go out on their own terms. Yes, and not be you know told that they can no longer perform because you know it's got to leave you yeah. know something a little empty vacancy for them. So for him to be able to come back, I thought was tremendous. Uh, the moments that he and Edge had were just a la the iconics. You know, just seeing a great you know fun tag team back together again. Yeah. Um, and then you know, obviously the finish. Randy Orton leaves, you know, the match with a quote-unquote injury um, only to come back. Um, well, they tipped their hat with that too much. Yeah, I mean, that was yeah. fucking obvious. Yeah. You knew it was going to happen. I mean, they did it a couple of years ago. And what was it, 2016 with Roman? Fuck, I yeah. didn't get to... T- we got to talk Bliss back when we come back. For uh, I want to talk Alexa Bliss in the Rumble. But um, that's going to lead me to this point. Where was The Fiend? Like, if anything, that should have been like The Fiend preventing Randy Orton from getting back in the ring. Like that would have been because then that could have led to tomorrow night or Monday night's match with Randy Orton saying, I wasn't eliminated. I was prevented from getting back. I want my shot at the the spot, you know, mm-hmm. like that would have meant something instead of just, you know, whatever. But yeah, I, I thought the same thing with yeah. his, his time went on. Randy hadn't come back, so he wasn't eliminated yet. But then he came back. I was like, oh, OK, so you're going to get him and Edge in the final two. Oh, he's two back at it again. Fiend's going to show up, cause him to lose this, that, and the other. I thought that was what was going to happen, too. Yeah. I, I have zero, and I got to be honest with you, I have zero interest in whoever Edge picks. I don't want to see him against Roman, and I don't want to see him against Drew. Drew's done this enough. Yeah. I mean, we talked about it all right. Get Drew somebody athletic. And for Roman, he already has shown that these guys that can't bump and can't, you know, don't have the work rate of a Kevin Owens or Daniel Bryan or somebody of that nature, he can't work with. It just doesn't, the match doesn't flow as well. He can't carry a wrestling match that way. So to put him in there with Edge, I I think, no thanks. There's a couple things uh, for my take on the Rumble here. One, Damian Priest looked like a million bucks. Yeah, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that I can agree with. With all the eliminations he was doing, so he's really he. So from his time in ROH to to NXT, I was not huge on him in ROH. Just thought it was a tall guy who was over because he was tall. Mm. But then he did his work in uh, NXT, and I was like, this dude's got something. I do, I do. So yeah, I mean, he definitely came off looking really good. And then his debut on Monday Night Raw was the right way to do it, too, with uh, the Bad Bunny thing. Yeah, yeah, which, I mean, that is what it is. I, yeah. I, Bad Bunny is actually, like, a legitimate wrestling fan. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. So, well, I, you don't write a song. You Like, Booker T is not, like, when you name a rap song, like, Cameron borrowed Ric Flair. Like, yeah. you don't go yeah. to Booker T unless you know wrestling, I mean, you know? It, I mean, and, and yes, WWE does have a history with rap music, and they, they are referenced 
quite frequently and, and not all the time, but frequently enough in, in some rap songs throughout the years. But no, like coach said, you don't make an entire song based around Booker T and pay the money for him to fly in and just stand there, not say a word or do a damn well, and thing. I mean, it's not like unless Book- you're a fan, like Booker T was a, you know, for wrestling fans, like true wrestling fans is a very, you know, probably one of the, uh, a great to do it. You know, mm-hmm. he was a great oh, all time. Yeah. Great. But, like, for an entertainer, you would think, oh, you wouldn't know who, who Booker T is. So for him to name a song about him obviously shows his depth of fandom. Yeah, because I know a lot of people online, like I say, I don't know his music well. I know him, yeah, from, neither I, do I. I know, I know him from doing the no, Car- yeah. Cardi B song. Sure. I don't even know that one. Yeah, so, so, I, so but I, I know very little. But I know, I know him I know as he's the a Corona big, guy. I know, he, I know yeah. he's a big yeah. name. Like, yeah. that's yeah. the thing. So for a lot of people, we're like we're completely losing their mind about it. And I'm like, okay, let's see how he pans out. Yeah, just fucking grow up. That's yeah. what I got to tell him. Yeah, just so stop being a, a baby. Like I said, I'm not. Like I said, I didn't really know who he was, but yeah. the more that I'm hearing about him, I'm like, okay, let's give him the benefit. Sure. Of so I thought him with Damian Priest. That's that was an interesting thing. I thought the return of Carlito. I was blown away by the size of Carlito. Yep. Because he has not missed the gym. I did respect the fact that he did not bite the apple and spit it in anybody's face because. COVID. Yes. So respect to you, Carlito, for mm-hmm. passing up the gimmick for the sake of healthcare. Yeah. Uh, Christian was the heartfelt moment of the year. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, oh, yeah. Of the match. Uh, obviously, with knowing his history and seeing him come back, and I honestly was sent the Matt Cardona tweet. I don't understand it, so I, I don't even want to comment on it. If you what? have not seen it, uh, I guess Cardona did not uh, appreciate Christian coming back or something in that variation. What? Oh well, yeah. deal with it. Yeah, there was some. There was some kind of weird tweet. I'll, I'll, I'll let you take a look, look at it up right now. Yeah, there was something. That's fucking horseshit. There, so yeah, so if that was true and he was, uh, if that was supposed to be a joke, then uh, I I see the joke. If that was supposed to be serious, which from a couple of people that were sending it to me on OD Parlay Hour, uh that's a bad take if that's true. So hopefully it's not. So like I say, you have to see the tweet and give your your interpretation of that as well. Because I had no issue with Christian coming back. I thought he did no. a great job, and obviously with how it all shaped out. I understand if Big E was supposed to win, he was still IC champion. Yep. So, no, and we yeah, talked yeah, yeah, about yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, but, yeah. like, to not even have him in the Final Four, that's what made me so mad because the Final Four was Edge, Christian, uh, Seth Rollins, and Braun. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what, does Christian really need to be in the Final Four? No, but I think like, they wanted to give that false hope of, like, okay, well, maybe he's going to get there. Maybe he's going to whatever the case is. Yeah, but I right, mean, but they I did just, that. They ran into that with Debray right. in 2015, yeah, and, and, and it De- blew him in the face. Yeah, and for Debray not to get it again, I mean, I thought that was kind of a bad take. But it is what it is. They won't really want to push the incredible comeback of Edge. So we'll have to wait and see about that. Yeah. I don't know where it's all going to play out. Him and Roman, I think, could tell a story, yeah. and I think that that's yeah, but what. But why? But spear versus spear. But, yeah. but that's Ugh. just like nah. you're the head of the table, but I'm the one that has a great WrestleMania. Like I'm just trying to spin <laughs> ideas. Yeah, you, you it, can't. It, it's, it's, it's a tough one, but I trust Paul Heyman enough. Yeah. to build something. I mean, to me, the thing that would have made sense was, you know, like we said, Daniel Bryan or uh, or Big E winning, and the story being. You know, because Paul and Big E have had such great segments on Talking Smack that, um, you know, it could have led to something a little bit more. I just, I don't know. Him and Edge. Eh. I mean, the only th- the only thing I can think of with Edge is I don't want to see him face Roman because I just have no interest in him taking on Roman. Spear, I'm sorry, Spear versus Spear. Maybe if time travel and they're both in their pr- absolute prime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, no. Uh, spitball, and the only thing I think that would have would make sense, maybe for me at least, as I'm thinking about it off the top of my head, fatal four way. 
uh, Edge versus, and you can work this out. The, the Christ knows they will. You could do it. Uh, Drew versus Edge versus Randy versus The Fiend. Yeah, there's a lot of different ways they can go with it. So like I say, I'm just going to give the benefit of just, the doubt. Just no yeah. shitty red light. Yeah, no no red lights in there. So. Yeah, so you just sent me the, the Christian uh, and Matt Cardona thing. Yeah, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I am boggled here by this take. Um, like, I mean, I don't know Christian personally, so I guess I can't really speak to his backstage politics. But like, he seems like a good enough dude. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Ed, I mean, for Edge to to vouch for him as much as he does, and, and how much they're best friends. Like, I don't feel like you can be that much of a dick and be best friends with Edge, who seems like a genuinely good human being. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean it, it's kind of, it was just a weird take, Pat. I'm sending it to you right now because I don't want to read it on air. Yeah. But my take was, if it's serious, that's a bad look, and that's just sour petty. grapes. Yeah. That's just, it's just petty. If it's meant to be a joke, okay. but I guess. But it nah, doesn't. Nah, fuck it. I'll read it. So Christian, t- <laughs> so Christian tweeted, the feedback from the fans has been amazing, and the comments from my peers uh, is humbling. I just want to say thanks. I'm... Uh, uh, going to Christian's tweet here. Uh, the, feedback, well, the feedback from the fans has been amazing, and the comments from my peers is humbling. I just want to say thanks, and I'm so happy uh, that stepping back in the ring at the hashtag Royal Rumble uh, meant as much to you as it did to me. If it was, if that was it, it was on my own terms. If it wasn't, then dot dot dot. Uh, to which uh, Ivar uh, tweeted the eyes looking uh, sideways emoji. Uh, Matt Cardona tweeted it, quote tweeted it, and said, "You're a dick." Yeah. So I don't. Necessarily, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it, and I think that's just a bad thing to ruin a good rumble. Sure, that is just that just sounds super petty to me, in my opinion. So, like I said, if you meant it as a joke, uh, you missed the mark as far as we're concerned. I yeah. guess also technically, my final four isn't correct because the final four would have been Edge, Randy Orton, yeah, 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 Christian, Braun, and Braun, yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> overall, though, Edge did pull off the win, so the comeback story comes back. So I mean, you can write it off that Roman doesn't want to fight him or something. Like I, I, I know I just if, if they want to, but then again, I'm going to throw this one out there too, since he's going on NXT. It may not happen, but what about Edge versus Finn Balor? Ooh. I mean, that would be cool. Okay, that would be cool. Okay. I so for, here's the thing. All right, and I'm going to give each scenario. All right, mm-hmm. so Edge versus Drew McIntyre. There's just no. There's no story there. There's no rivalry. You know, no, no, there's nothing. No, nothing. There's nothing. Yeah. Um, Edge versus uh, Roman. All right. Spear versus Spear. But that's it. And that's a stretch. Mm-hmm. Finn Balor, you know, okay. Young versus old. You know, I, I want to. school, new school. New school. I want to pursue a title I haven't had yet. You know, I, I want the accolade, yada, yada, yada. Finn Balor can tell the story of, you know, you had your time. This is my time. That that old, scenario, you know, that already played my out time story. Is my time is now. Yeah. And then we could have, or, or Randy Orton somehow wins the title back from Drew and does the original thing that we all thought was going to happen, which was going to be Edge versus Randy Orton at WrestleMania for the title with Edge ultimately winning. It's- and the problem is the X Factor that's tied in this, the fiend. Yeah. Now we have two pay per views. Yes. Correct. And one being elimination chamber. Correct. So, depending on what they do with Bray, if they bring him back, and you know they have the payoff with Randy Orton, or if they don't bring him back and hold him out till after WrestleMania, let Edge and Orton happen at WrestleMania. You know, I think that's really the only way that this works. There's a lot of scenarios they can go with this. 
But with Edge, it kind of opens up some doors and makes you really kind of second-guess some things. I'm not saying the win is a bad win, but for where they're going to go long-term, I think they just got to really set up a good story. Just looking out of the three champions right now, it's Finn or Bust. Like that's the only thing with me. Swear if he goes after the NXT UK title. <laughs> yeah, I will mark out if he fights Walter. <laughs> Please don't do that to Edge. I will lose my. <laughs> um. I yeah. I the Finn Balor thing I think to me is the is the most attractive because of the fact that there could be a, a story there. Mm-hmm. It would also put Edge on NXT with you know the ratings war and all that bullshit that you know people like the narrative to create. So like that could be there. Um. And I think it gives Finn Balor an opportunity to cement his, you know, legacy, A, as the NXT champion, and B, as, you know, a future of the company, even though he is, you know, almost 35 years old, but still. Yeah, I mean, if Edge goes on a run of matches at NXT, can we get him versus Ciampa? Oh, sign me up. Sign me up. Yeah, I just, to me, the most logical thing and the only thing that makes sense is somehow they work the title off of Drew and we get Edge... Randy Orton for the title at Mania. And I think that's a main event that, you know, when we talk, the rumors and the stories are that they want four main events for each night. I think that's how you get one of the main events because Drew versus somebody, you know, could uh, be one of the co-main events. And then Edge versus uh, uh, Edge versus Randy Orton would be a headliner. And then you have the SmackDown stuff. And then real quick, I just want to bring up the, the uh, Alexa Bliss thing because it just boggled my mind. Um, you know, at one point, all the girls jump on Alexa Bliss because she's in fiend character mode. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all of a sudden, she gets up and she walks to the rope and then just puts a smile on her face. And you're wondering what's going on. And then all of a sudden, the back televisions blur out. And then she gets eliminated. And then nothing happened. See, I thought she was going to interfere at the end. Right. I because, thought... because the thing I noticed was they did not, she went out, they never showed her after that. So I'm like, oh, she's going under the ring or doing some other shenanigans because they can pull this off. This it's one of the benefits of being where they are in the Thunderdome and that whole setup. She can go off to the side out of camera shot, change into her, because normally those shots and stuff on Raw, it's been taped and edited and whatever, so they can get away with it. But this is live. She ain't got that benefit. She can get eliminated. She can go off to the side, get in her costume and her get or up, underneath her, the ring in yeah. her getup to be her fiend persona. So I figured, oh, they're not deliberately not showing her because she's going to make a reappearance as mm. as the fiend and cause somebody to lose at the end. Never happened. Yeah, yeah, it was the TVs blurring out. That's what threw me off because I was like, and the lights dimmed because she was going to turn, and but then they eliminated. Her. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know if time or what, but I, it was weird. I think it was time, and plus I think when they tried doing like all the edits. For her, yeah. that I think that they they still got to work on that a little bit. Yeah. So the like we all are in agreement that something was supposed to come something of this. Something was that, supposed to happen okay. and it didn't. And I think that they just kind of ran really long on time. I think what happened is the Roman Kevin Owens delay. That's what I screwed have up the end. That makes sense. And I think they yeah. kind of were just like, well, we'll just kind of write it off. Because her being dumped out the way that she was was so anticlimactic for what they're trying to do with that character, mm-hmm. especially with how. Uh, how hot that story's been. You know, I mean, it's the number one story on Raw. Yeah, see, I it thought... It was weird. See, when I saw her get eliminated that quick, I thought they were going to pair her with Ripley for a good opening program. Okay. Right. And I'm like, okay, let's see where we go from here. But they didn't even touch upon it right. the next night. And then we had the weird ending to Raw with, like, the black goo coming out of her mouth, like the vampire. Yeah, and then all... The, yeah, yeah, and, and then just, back 
back to, to normal. Orton. Yeah, yeah, back to that stuff. Yeah. Like, it, it's so weird they're trying to do the supernatural element with her. I mean, granted, Bliss is running with it. I'm not yeah. taking anything away from her about it. But I think of how they're doing their camera edits for it, it's not the best. Yeah, I just, I don't know. It's so tough on her because obviously guy girl thing, you know, you got limitations or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and with the fiend being in, you know, this state of peril, I guess you could say. Limbo. Yeah, limbo. It's just like you know you're relying heavily on Alexa Bliss to be carrying the supernatural stuff, and it's like it's tough, you know, because there can't be any real physicality. Yeah, because um, they don't do intergender wrestling. Yeah, so there can't really be any physicality maybe outside of Alexa Bliss causing him to lose a match or whatever, but it's like, you know, at some point you got to have The Fiend come back here. I mean, you can't just keep having her show up and doing weird shit, not have it have a payoff. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of stories that they're going to have to ask questions about, but this is now officially the kickoff to WrestleMania. The road starts with the Royal Rumble. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What was your thoughts about this year's Royal Rumble? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. How's it going? This is Rev with Brewing Up Rants Podcast. Me and the Duke of Nerds himself are coming at you with rants while also kicking back a few cold ones ourselves. Nothing is off limits here, so put up your feet, pour a cold one for yourself, and come hang out with us. Brewing Up Rants is a Badcast Company production. can be found on all major podcast platforms like the one you're listening to now, and many more. So what are you waiting for? Seriously, like what are you waiting for? There's no Cherry Coke here. Pop open that beverage. And cheers to you, nerds. Oh, a little bit of the bubbly. (laughs) Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pad, what you got? Got a couple things to talk about. We're going to split. I got two things. I'm going to split it. One entertainment, one sports. Uh, The first one is after 7,943 days, I am a very happy individual. Uh, Why 7,943? Yeah, I was going to say, what, Roku and Amazon Prime? No. Uh, So 7,943 days ago, or May 7th, 1999, was the series finale uh, for one of my favorite shows as a kid. Uh, That being uh, Transformers Beast Wars. Okay. So that I don't listen. Beast Machines happened. It exists. <laughs> I, I don't acknowledge the goddamn thing because goddamn, it's awful. Don't believe me? It's on Tubi, uh, free with commercials. Enough said. Oh, Jesus Christ, it's bad. Do watch Beast Wars though. It's amazing. Uh, that was the final episode uh, of Beast Wars in their incredible three season run they had. But after all the, those days, Beast Wars has returned, uh, dropping today in comic book shops from the folks over at IDW. Transformers Beast Wars issue number one. Uh, so the description of this uh, reads, quote, celebrating 25 years of Beast Wars. In the future, the planet Cybertron belongs to the scientific-minded Maximals. Uh, interjecting here, those are the uh, descendants of the uh, Autobots. Uh, and the action-oriented Predacons, which are the descendants of the uh, Decepticons. Decepticons. Okay. Uh, when a crew of Predacons, led by the successor to the Megatron name, steal a golden disc and a ship capable of traveling through time, it's up to Optimus Primal and his Maximal crew uh, to catch them. Uh, a brand new Beast era uh, begins in an oversized first issue. Uh, so I am super excited for this. I've loved Beast Wars since I was a kid. Uh, it was I definitely remember uh, watching all because it was uh, I was on at a weird time like before I went to school. So it was you know get up, mom's mom or dad's making breakfast before I'm getting ready for school. I'm sitting there watching the episode. You know go to school, talk about it with some friends. So super excited. Definitely going to check that out uh, when I get home. Uh, and switching over to sports, got to talk to baseball trade and the absolute robbery 
that the Colorado Rockies uh, have gotten done to them from the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, for those who are not familiar, uh, the St. Louis Cardinals complete, uh, completed a blockbuster trade to acquire all-star third baseman Nolan Arenado from the Colorado Rockies uh, on Monday night. St. Louis uh, dealt a couple of pitcher, uh, pitcher Austin Gomber and four minor leaguers to the Rockies. Uh, and then uh, infield, they sent a couple infielders and right-handers, you know, have, uh, are part of the deal. Uh, also part of the deal, Colorado is going to be paying St. Louis $50 million sure. uh, to offset yeah. the money on Arenado that is doing his contract. But wait, the robbery gets worse because uh, the Rockies are picking up $35 million on Arenado's contract this year, and uh, St. Louis only has to pay fifteen. That's ridiculous. It is an absolute... That math don't add up. It's fucking bonkers. If you're a Rockies fan, I feel so sorry for you because your GM is a goddamn travesty. Uh, and if you take what he says, that their, their other big star they have left, uh, Trevor Story, we're not trading Trevor Story. Uh, newsflash, he said the same thing about Nolan Arenado, and he's now gone. Yeah, you this can't is, put this, much stock into that. This is an absolute highway robbery in, under every definition. Absolutely insane. Yeah, I, I, and it's a huge huge upgrade for St. Louis. Oh, yeah, St. Louis just got a steal. Uh-huh. Absolute steal. Baseball is coming right around the corner. Yeah, real soon. Can't wait for that. Coach. Oh, happy days. Oh, yes. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy days. The EA Sports, uh, I believe it was two days ago, announced a return, ladies and gentlemen, a return that we've all been asking for since it was abruptly stopped in 2014. And, well, not college football video game is coming back. Yeah. Oh, boy. And how happy am I? I was jubilated. I almost jumped out of my seat at work. I was so happy. Now, I have a couple theories. Okay. So I just want to run through the scenarios here because um, they did not, and somebody pointed this out, it does not say NCAA. College football. Oh. So I am wondering, you know, what they are going to do because obviously part of the reason why the game was stopped was because of the Ed O'Bannon uh, um, lawsuit about likenesses and rights um, and licenses. So I am wondering, you know, if they are going to be able to get the, the players and the colleges uh, to be able to do the game, you know, via the NCAA and have teams like Notre Dame, UCLA, Ohio State, you know, you name it. Um, so if they don't, my theory, ready? Uh, so they're obviously, they're not going to have the rosters. So I'm wondering if in legacy mode, when you input yourself as, you know, a coach, if you will put your playing style in. So like if you want to spread offense, a wishbone offense, you know, whatever. And then they will build, you know, your team to fit that initial, you know, criteria that you put in yeah. and then from there it's on to you for recruiting hmm. Hmm. so like you know for me i'm gonna run the spread i want a three three five defense and you know i want to focus on speed you know so like then boom that will then be inputted to my team so i'll have a quarterback who can scramble i'll have you know linebackers that can cover uh, you know, defensive ends that get upfield and, and, you know, good secondary players. So I kind of wonder if that's the way that they'll do legacy mode. Um, that That's the GM mode for those who, you know, haven't played it before. Yeah. You know, you're the head coach of the team. You got recruiting stuff. Um, so I, I'm just – I'm super excited. The game was so great. Um, bye-bye Madden. I hope that this puts the, the streak of you being the number one football game to, to rest. Because the game has been terrible ever since the uh, agreement with uh, college. Well, once NCAA wrapped up, 
and uh, Madden took over as the only football game being developed because Madden just bleh. Yeah, I, I haven't you. bought Madden in years. I haven't either. I just want uh, Alabama in this game so I can run up the score on Bama to the point where the game goes, this seems a little easy for you. Would you like to up the difficulty? Well, I already – I so after your, your text, I already know. So normally in the old days, I used to start out with Northern Illinois because they had uh, – Oh, that kid at quarterback who was uh, number six, the scrambler. I can't remember his name. I used to know it because I played the game so damn much. Um, so I always used to start my franchise. I always used to start there. Uh, I think I'm going to start with the Citadel now. I think <laughs> that will be where I start as offense coordinator because the, the the fun of the game is starting at a lower-end Division One school as a coordinator and like getting offered jobs. Coaching carousel is the funnest part of that game. So if it is not on there, uh, there will be hell to pay. The coaching carousel is the entire thing of the game no recruit i don't care about recruiting i don't care about the gameplay i just want to get to coaching carousel and i want to see what jobs i get offered hell hath no fury like a coach i will be oh my god i will flip desks because not only when they took away uh in uh the uh not legacy mode but the career mode when they took away having to go to class i was pissed off about that alone that i almost didn't buy the game but then when coaching carousel came around i was all for it so I mean, I obviously I left my last legacy with Notre Dame winning, I don't know, 17, 18 straight national championships. I don't even know how many. I did lose one to Ohio State. That was tough. That was tough. Goal line stand, guys. That was I went for it on fourth down. I had to. I was down I was down four. And I and they stuffed me. Um but just wicked excited. It's a great game. Uh it's gonna make me buy a next generation console, which I was gonna hold out on. Good fucking luck. Well, I mean, by this point, because the game's not coming out till next year. So yeah. fucking luck. Hey, you go look yourself, Beast War guy. <laughs> fucking a. It's gonna. There obviously is gonna be consoles by then. You hope. Wow. Good luck. Wow. No, no, I'm just saying. No, I'm just saying. I have read some reports of getting a next gen console, be it PlayStation or Xbox. It's gonna be a little tough for quite a while. Don't tell that to coach. Keep that dream alive, coach. You'll have that game soon. I yeah, well, yes. I haven't told Aaron yet that you know I have to get because so. Anyway, quick. Uh, <laughs> she was like, I, once the Xbox 360 came out and we got the kids a Switch, she's like, "That's it. We're not buying any more consoles. Like, you don't need another one. You're a 33 year old man. Like, you're not getting another gaming system." And I was like, "All right. Like, I think I can make do with what I got." And now this is coming out, and it's like, "Honey." Sorry. I, I have faith Dude, in Dude, the coach. amount of time I used to waste on player movement and positional changes, talk, ask her about it sometimes. She will literally say, I used to just stare at my depth chart for hours just changing guys from wide receiver to defensive back just to see if they got one extra rating point. If a guy went from a 71 to a 72, you're changing positions. <laughs> coach is that intense about this. We'll have Dude. to get... I had a guy who I recruited as a quarterback who I moved to free safety because I needed depth. Went from a like an 82 quarterback to a 76 free safety. Won the Jim Thorpe Award. Moving to back to quarterback his senior year, and he won the Heisman. I fucking love this game. See how I'm passionate. I'm fired up right now. Just hope you can get that system. That's my greatest story, by the way. I tell that to uh, the message boards that I'm in and everything, how I turned a quarterback to a free safety, back to quarterback, and still won the Heisman. We're gonna have to get this on Twitch when you get this going, dude. I I don't know if there's enough memory card for me to play this game on Twitch. I might. <laughs> I will burn out the sucker. 
We'll have to wait and see when we get closer to that. But obviously something to look forward yes. to in the video game market. And for my base, got to talk a little entertainment. And the CW has announced new early renewals for yeah. some shows. So this surprising. This threw me off a little bit. Um, some of them I kind of expected a little bit. Some I was like, eh, we'll have to wait and see. And then there was one that really stuck out to me. So amongst the new renewals... Mm-hmm. Walker, so that's been the new um, Jared Padlecki show uh, yep. based on Walker, Texas Ranger. Yep. Uh, American, All American, not surprised at that one. But Batwoman definitely threw me for a surprise just because it's just came back, obviously, with a new character and new lead in the front role. So I've been hearing kind of mixed about the ratings, but I am a little surprised they hit the early renewal, but I'm happily surprised they hit the early renewal for this one. Also, the other one that caught me off guard is DC's Legends of Tomorrow got renewed for Season 7. Yeah, that surprised me too. Yeah, that one, very, very shocked at because I heard that that one was, we've talked about it in the past shows, that that was on the bubble with Black Lightning. Obviously, we know Black Lightning has been canceled. So to see Legends get renewed. Oh, Black Lightning did? Well, yeah. it, it's wow. got, it doesn't have one last season. It's going to do one yeah, final I'll, season. Okay. Wow. Final season, yeah. I thought it was doing really well. Uh, ratings haven't been that good. Ratings have been like, okay. Damn. Yeah, no, and that's the thing I'd heard with uh, Legends of Tomorrow, that it's a high-budget show in the production costs with time travel and costumes and this and that and the special effects that just the ratings have never brought it anything great. This is Black Lightning, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, no, I'm, I'm, well that, that's Black Lightning. I'm talking uh, Legends. Oh, you're talking Le- yeah, well, Legends. Yeah, Legends. Well, Legends, I, I'm shocked that it made it past Season 4. I mean, once they made the whole roster haul and overhaul for the whole entire group, yeah. and mm-hmm. then, you know, with... The tie-in and the payoff with the, the Arrow, uh, I thought, like, yeah, it was like, that's it. That's a wrap. There's no way they can go past Season 5. And, you know, they gutted out a couple more. But Black Lightning surprising because I thought it was doing so well. It, it was, and it's, it's just kind of declined a little bit in the ratings. I mean, I know last season was kind of mixed with, like, differing op- opinions of it. Some people really okay. loved the season. Some people really didn't. I didn't mind it as much. Like, I thought it was actually okay. But... I think for the CW, they're really just kind of condensing on how many superhero shows they're doing. Yeah, yeah. you can. You've uh, the vibe is that you can kind so, of see they're getting it's out. a little overload. Yeah, well, obviously, Star Girl coming over from DC Universe that's yeah. gonna, that's going to take a spot. Say Superman and Lois got renewed for season two, right? Yeah, yeah. already. So that's going to have more episodes involved with it. Like it was just that hasn't, kinda, that hasn't started yet, has it? No, not no, sure. that's not till the twenty third. Okay, yeah, it's a I was like, shit, I thought I missed it. Okay. No, 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 no we'll, be, we'll definitely be talking well, about that. I'm not going to miss Superman. Yeah, I, mean. I know Superman's your guy. So obviously, some surprises from the early, early renewals, and Flash for season eight was another one of them. Yeah, yeah, well. I I'm surprised that Grant wants well, back. It's, it's, well, especially since I think I remember reading that last season was his last one on his contract, so maybe he re-upped. Yeah, this is just kind of a little polarizing because we heard a lot of things that saying he was all signs were pointing to him leaving. This is a transition point in the DCCW universe that obviously Flash going into its eighth season. We weren't sure what to get. Supergirl has been canceled. They're, they're going to do one final season. Same thing with Black Lightning. We do have the new Superman and Lois show, which which we already mentioned. Looks has, real good. Has, is, yeah, it looks really yeah, good the from fuck, the Yeah, that trailer. Oh, yeah, my God. That looks good. And in fact, it's already got the early renewal. That's a good sign as well. So where they're going to be going in the direction is anybody's guess. But for seeing some of the sophomore shows get the early re-up, like Batwoman, I think is a good sign. And especially with how they're going to be competing with HBO Max. Right. Yeah. That's going to be a really telling point of like, okay, who's going to try out doing each other? And then for the longevity on the CW, it's anybody's guess. Other notable shows, Dynasty got renewed, In the Dark, Roswell, New Mexico, and Legacies. Sure. And Riverdale. 
Okay. I, My wife watches that, so she'll be happy. Yeah, I was very surprised about that. So twelve early shows, uh, or twelve shows got early renewals. So definitely hit us up on the hashtag hashtag ODPH. What is your thoughts about those early renewals? But let us close the show talking about the Super Bowl. The Sports. Super, the Super Bowl. Yes. So obviously is going down this weekend. Pad, you got the stat breakdown. So yes, uh, this Sunday, uh, February seventh, six thirty p.m. Eastern time. Check your local listings for whatever time it is in your neck of the woods. Uh, CBS. Kansas City Chiefs, 14-2 record, uh, AFC uh, champions taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are 11-5 in the NFC Conference champions. Uh, current line uh, on this spread is Kansas City by three points. Uh, they are minus 165 favorites, uh, and the over-under is 56. All right, Coach. I Yeah, so I've tried to play the scenarios through my head, very like everything, and just I can't see Tampa Bay winning this game. I just can't. I, Kansas City. I, and I. I'm trying to take away the week what 13 matchup that they had, yeah, where like that, yeah, yeah, where Tyreek Hill absolutely went off 263 and three, if I'm not mistaken, something like that in, in one quarter. Yeah, and I'm just trying to keep forgetting that that happened. So even with that, I just don't. I don't see how Tampa Bay can can win this game. They just defensively they cannot match up to the offense that Kansas City is going to roll out. Yeah, no, I, I agree with Coach uh, wholeheartedly. Uh, looking at the current injury report, uh, Demarcus Robinson, uh, wide receiver for the this is for the Chiefs. Uh, Demarcus Robinson is out uh, because he is uh, tested positive for COVID. Uh, Sammy Watkins is currently listed as questionable. This is as of February second. Uh, so, and then on the flip side for the Tampa Bay Buccaneer, Buccaneers, uh, you have uh, Levante David listed as questionable. He's a linebacker. Antonio Brown is listed as questionable. Uh, Jordan Whitehead listed as questionable. And then Antoine Winfield Jr. all listed as questionable. I like Coach him taking out that previous matchup out of my, out of my factoring in with this one because that one's an anomaly. You know how they say, oh, 99, out of, uh, 99 times out of 100, X will happen? Mm-hmm. That's the one out of 100 where a free game and free quarter happens. I'm not factoring that in because this this is not the same Tampa Bay team that Kansas City faced in that game. You know, that's not going to happen again. You're not going to see Tyreek Hill put up 200 yards and three touchdowns and one half of football in the Super Bowl. It just ain't going to happen. And if it is, I'll eat my shoe. You know, but... No, no you put that in recording. Oh, so yeah. Just, note yeah. that... Oh, yeah. Hey, note that in that little notebook over there about our locks and leaps. Yeah, well, no, Royce also promised you... Uh, Tim Tebow Rumble Ponies jersey if you ever made it to Binghamton and you never got it. Uh, I don't care. You said you'd eat your shoe. That's noted. You know, I'll do a shoey or some nonsense. You know, but I, I, like I said a couple weeks ago after the AFC Championship game, this this Chiefs team is the Hydra offense. It, good luck figuring out who you're going to double cover because who you're leaving open is going to burn the hell out of you in the secondary. This is not a game for defense. I know a couple years ago when the you know the Patriots played the Rams, it was a defense-heavy game. Defense wins championship. It just popped up in my memories on Facebook today. This ain't a game for defense. If you're a defensive-minded person, you ain't gonna like this game all that much. I would say if you're if you're a betting man, I'd take the over on this over/under. Uh, but I think Kansas City's gonna win. Uh, I just don't think there's any way that Tom will be able to keep up with with uh, Kansas City, and I don't think there's any way. As good as this Tampa Bay defense is, and they're, they're a pretty good defense right now, they're clicking on all cylinders. I, when you stop Aaron Rodgers uh, in Green Bay, you, you're doing pretty good. Uh, I just don't think they'll be able to keep up with this Hydra offense that is Kansas City. So let us look at this now. 
Tom Brady makes the leap from New England to Tampa Bay. Also, he's playing in a, a white jersey, and we know how that went the last time he was in the Super Bowl wearing that jersey. Uh, that was against the Philadelphia Eagles. Yes. He has a home game for a Super Bowl. Yep. So how absolutely wild is that scenario? 70-degree weather, according to AccuWeather.com. Yeah. So that being said, he is going up against an arch nemesis and one Steve Spagnola. Oh, yeah. Defensive coordinator extraordinaire. My One of my favorites. One of my all-time favorite defensive coordinators. Yes. So that being said, he is in for a very long day. The Tom Brady does have a lot of offensive weapons around him. He does have a good running back in Leonard Fournette. But is it enough to slow down Patrick Mahomes and the Eric Benemy designed offense? The answer is no. It's not enough. Patrick Mahomes. Oh, no, we're doing it. Is Oh, no, we're all agreeing. Is going to go on a tear. Oh, no. And I think the factor is not going to exactly be him, but I think it's going to be Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, the running back. Tampa Bay's run defense has been very good. It's been very good. But to keep Tom Brady off the field, I think between him and Le'Veon Bell, I think they have a great chance of really halting Brady from getting some momentum going. I think the defensive package that Steve Agsmola is going to dial up is going to be tough. And I think that Tom Brady knows to expect this, but he doesn't like getting hit. And especially at this age, you know they're going to put a lot of pressure on him. Oh, for sure. He ain't as nimble as he used to be. Exactly. And if you saw how chippy that defense was against the Buffalo Bills, what do you think they're going to do against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? For sure. Oh, they're going to get after him. They're They're going to absolutely. They're going to dig those hands in. They're going to. They're gonna pass rush. They, they, right. they, they look real good against that. No offense. Matt, no, no, they look real good. <laughs> they look real good against that Buffalo offense with a very mobile quarterback in Josh Allen. Tampa Bay offense very good, but let's face it, Tom Brady's about as mobile as a tree. I just I don't know how you can this Kansas City offense right now. I don't know how you stop them. I mean, the Bills defense for as great as it was all year. Yeah, couldn't when they took Tyreek Hill away on a play, Travis Kelsey was open. Mm-hmm. When they got to Patrick Mahomes, he still got away. So, I mean, as great as the Bills' defense was, I what can Tampa Bay do differently? Especially if you he know? starts underhanding passes. Yeah, I mean, I was I was at Finn's football practice the other night, and I heard these Buffalo Bills fans. They're like, well, you got to play man-to-man with help over the top. All right, you can do that. But then how do you get pass rush to Patrick Mahomes? Because if you leave him open all day, somebody's going to get open. Yeah. So, all right, you, you don't pass rush, then somebody's going to get open. And... Travis Kelsey can do just as much damage as anybody else. So, tough. It's just it's too much. It's too much, and I don't think that Tampa Bay has that stacked defense to slow him. No, I just, I just Tampa Bay's defense is serviceable, but yeah. it's not. I, I mean, I don't think they rank top ten in a lot of stats. No, so I I don't see how you could say, all right, Tampa Bay's defense has got the numbers to match up. No, they don't. They don't. They they completely do not. And I think they expect a big game out of Travis Kelsey. I think that he's going to. Yeah, be, I think. Yeah, I think he's going to be the, another factor to watch here because I think what they're going to do is they're going to really try slowing down Tyreek Hill. Yeah, they have to. Yeah. after last time, I, absolutely. So it's going to be a battle of tight ends, and like I said, I'll take a healthy Kelsey over an aging Gronk. I I legitimately think after what happened the last game because they left uh, Winfield in one on one coverage the entire game. Yeah, and you can't do that. So I think that they're going to put blanket coverage on Tyreek. So you'll probably see like on his side of the field a zone mm. with man to man on the other side, which is going to leave Kelsey open up the middle of the field all day long. Yeah, 
And like I say, if that happens, you got Edwards Hillen who can come out of the backfield and do catch some screen passes. Yeah. You still got Shady McCoy lurking around there too. Yeah. You can be serviceable for catching out of the backfield. Because like I said, I know Edwards Heron is a little banged up, so I'm not expecting him to really do too much. Yeah, and Sammy Watkins is questionable right. too. So, But, but Harden, Harden's still there. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just it's pick, it's too it's pick, much. It's pick yeah. your poison, and I think that they're going to be in for a long day. I like Kansas City. I like them big. I'm going to say, I'm gonna say by seven points. That's not big. Well, seven <laughs> seven in the Super Bowl is a little big. I'll even say ten. I could see it going over ten. I think, I'm, I when think, you're talking big, I'm thinking fourteen or more. I'm thinking two touchdowns. No, because for Brady, he's already shown that he can come back from a twenty-five point deficit. Facts. Yes. So. <laughs> but I think for this, I I do like them. I like them a lot. I like them to take the over. So uh, I think, yeah, I think, that's fair. Oh, yeah, taking the over is a safe bet. Yeah, I think that's a safe bet. And like I said, I like him big. I could see it being a seven point, or I could see it being a seventeen point. What game. is the over? Uh, Fifty six. Oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely. But I do like Kansas City to cover that. This might be a game where it starts slow in the first quarter. You know, a little like tit for tat, trade. You know, feeling each other out, and then the second, third, fourth quarter, it's just going to be an offensive explosion. Yeah, once Kansas City puts it on, they're not going to look back. No. And like I said, I think Brady might get it within seven. Because he's Brady, and I'll give him that much right. credit. But I could also see this being a 17-point win. Okay. That, so now guess, that's big. Like I said, I could see it going either way. Super Bowls, though, I think when there's kind of star power, I think that sometimes they get a little... Well, it helps that there's familiarity. Yeah. You know, yeah. I yeah. mean, like obviously I said, they played each other already. I just a 2-2 record, I think. I just, again, like, fuck it. it I just don't see how you stop Tyreek Hill. Nice. You just can't. No, you, you can't. I mean, that's the thing. You can slow them down, but then somebody else steps up to get you. Yeah, I mean, hide your offense. Yeah, when they're when you have an offense that can click that well, you're damn near unstoppable. I mean, the only team that could do it was the Raiders. Well, it was it, also the Browns by taking out <laughs> Mahomes. Right. But then, I mean, that's about it. Well, and the Raiders, though, they did it by running the ball. Yeah. And yeah. Tampa, I mean, I'm sorry. I know playoff Lenny's around lurking, but... It's not the same. Yeah, it's definitely not the same. But like I said, I like Kansas City big. I mean, I would say I could see it being 17, but I go with the Super Bowl bet. And the Super Bowl, I think they want to keep it kind of close. Okay. So like I said, I wouldn't doubt Brady having some garbage touchdowns to get caught back up. So it's like actually a watchable game. But that's just my early theory. So if I get get my final. All right. Kansas City 38. Tampa Bay 17. Wow. I'll okay. go. I'll go that route. I'm uh, gonna say 35-24. I'm not playing that game. No. no. Okay. Hey, I'm not putting any shoes or anything. No. On the I line mean, I definitely yeah. I, the over is gonna hit just because the teams have too good of offenses and not great of defenses. I mean, Kansas City's defense is not great. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can get after the quarterback, and you know they've got a decent secondary, but it's not like they're gonna you know hold Tampa Bay's offense to less than. 14 points, you know, like they're yeah. not that kind of defense. No, they're not. They'll, they'll give us the points. In fact, I got to actually change it to 38-20. Okay. Because you know what? It didn't average out. It averaged 55. Oh, oh. nice. Yeah, so I want to make sure I cover that. Now, that's why I said. Tampa's going to put up points, but I think, like, it could either be a seven-point win, but I think I like them big. Like, I honestly do, and I think that they can drop 17 on them. Okay. Easy for a win. But we'll have to find out on Sunday, and you know we'll be recapping that on next week's episode. 
So that all being said, the music heard at the beginning of the show is that of Brian Wolf and Fair City Fire. Now, Brian's doing a lot of things on his Patreon. You can find out every Wednesday if you go over to the Ochadoro Parlay Hour music section. But we're going to close the show out with our good friends Shout at the Robots. Now, they also have a Patreon, and they are putting out a lot of great content. They have some new stuff in the works. So, Pad, where do you go for all this? OchadoroParlayHour.com. That's right. So in case you forgot, we remind you yet again because you can go over the music section, check out everything going on with those two great bands. You can check out Second Suitor, Tom Jolu, Floodlands, and all the great music you hear on the ODPH can be yours to own if you just follow the links. It's that simple. You can also check out the directory, which has Friends of the Show, Organizational Links, Supporting Black Lives Matter, and all the amazing pod groups we're in. Because, Coach, what is my rule about pod groups? If you're not in one, you're not a podcast. Oh, close, but no cigar. It's if you're in a group and you're not on Podchaser with that page, you're not in a pod group. I'm just saying, putting that out there. So definitely want to shout out our friends over in Pod Nation, the Legion Independent Podcast, Alternate Reality Radio, The Apocalypse, and 607 Podcast and 8122Productions. And shout out to our good friends over at 8122RichRon, hashtag Big Natty Cool, and Mike C. So definitely doing some big things over there. And their Patreon. You can also check out the Twitch channel going on. The links are there. The TikTok is there. Our T Public Store. All of that and so much more at OchoDuroParlayHour.com. That's all we got for this week. So for your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy. Good night and good luck. For the one only, Pat one j Hail Hydra offense. I'm your host, Ken M. Hashtag get coach a new uh, gen si- system for yeah. EA Sports. Uh, thank you as always for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time.
Making of a moment 